It's time to turn off the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode I delve into the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't explain it, but I love these horrifying flicks. If you made a horror movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you mix Venezuelan spiders, a small rural town, and idiots that won't listen to Jeff Daniels? Why, you get arachnophobia. Why, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. First, I do want to apologize and hope that my voice holds up, because I happened to get sick right before I started recording this thing, so yay me. Uh, I'm sure that everything will be okay, but I might sound a little stuffed up, which I most definitely am, but of course the show must go on. So, this is the last of Animals Attack, I guess, (laughs) for everything that I've been doing. And um, I can honestly say that I'm ending with the best for last. Uh, So there were a couple other films that I was thinking about doing. And of course, you know, I asked uh, listener Crystal to give me a choice between the three. And because she hates spiders, we're going with arachnophobia. So, uh, you know, this is one of those films where I have not seen this in a very long time. And I remember when I did see it. I was quite young, and it was, I believe, still on HBO, and it's funny that I watched HBO Go to watch this thing, but I remember watching this, this was one of those movies where, like, my parents went to go see it in the theater, but they saw it because they weren't sure if we should see it, even though my sister and I were kind of into it, and my sister hates spiders as well, so it was probably something that, you know, they wanted to make sure that, you know, she would make it through, And then we saw it kind of on our own when it was on random TV. So it's one of those films where I don't remember it as much. And I really have not seen this in a very long time. And there were things that I really thought about the film that happened. Turned out maybe it was something a little different. So this was actually a really good refresher for me. Like to be able to go in here and watch this film again. And uh... You know, I tried, I I know my wife too, when it comes to these types of movies, where there are like, you know, killer spiders or bugs or whatever it is, and I was like, okay, I don't know if she would be cool with me watching this movie uh, while she's around, and I really tried to start it early, um, and then, you know, with everything that kind of goes on and, and everything, she came home in the middle of me watching it, and she was like... I'm just not going to look at the TV while you're watching this film. And I was like, okay, fair enough. But even myself, I found myself like really creeped out by a lot of this movie. And again, to me, like that is a, you know, it makes it a really fun film. Because if I can watch this on my normal TV with, you know, all the lights on and dogs barking and kids playing in the pool across the way and everything else going on and yet I can still be creeped out by the film, then, damn, I am in for a very good fucking time. And especially when it's one that I really don't remember every little thing about it. The big things that I remember about the film is the final part and John Goodman. And John Goodman, you know, bless his heart, 
He's one of my favorite actors of all time, and he has appeared on the podcast earlier when we talked about Fallen, and I'm glad that he's back, but I think he spends more time being around in Fallen than he does in this film. But every time he pops up on screen, I'm like, oh yeah, but I remembered him being much, much different, and especially from the trailers, like they make it seem like he's this like badass guy that's going to come in and take care of the spiders and shit like that, and that's what I thought I remembered as well, and it turned out to be something completely different, but still extremely enjoyable. Now, this was marketed as, as you heard in the trailer last time, a thrill comedy, which means that it was supposed to be a thriller comedy. Uh, some of the comedy, maybe? I, I just... I just think that it's a good movie. Like, I'm not going to front right now, and uh, you won't be surprised at the end. But was it a comedy? It has funny moments, but it's definitely more of a thriller. Now, the funny thing about this film is that, one, it's uh, the very first Frank Marshall-directed film. And it was also the first film released by the Walt Disney Studios Hollywood Pictures label. And I had to look that up because I was like, that's weird. Um, and I know that Disney, it's got its own things and it's got like, you know, here's where we stick all the rated R stuff and here's where we stick all the G and PG stuff and here's where we go. So it won't go under their main, like, you know, label of Disney. But I was very surprised that Disney was actually involved in this film. Um, the film itself actually did relatively well in the box office. Uh, it had a budget of about $22 million and it made about $53.3.2 million. So it made its money back, but I, you know, it wasn't like the super stellar smash hit maybe they thought it was going to be. But for a film of this type, that's really, really good still. Uh, especially since it has this, like, B-movie campiness that I absolutely love and really enjoyed while watching the film. Yes, there's parts that drag, but and overall, you know, it's still relatively solid. So, when you you look at the cast that's in it, too, you can see where some of the money went. But, the money also went into a lot of the animatronics and a lot of the spiders, and they looked really great. Uh, there was a couple of things that was kind of weird, and definitely we'll talk about it. Um, but, in general, it is just really well done and there's one scene towards the end of the film that uh i know that if crystal saw this um <laughs> she would stop the movie and not get to the end of the film so it's it's one of those films where i just feel if you've never seen it before and you're okay with spiders give it a chance if you're not so okay with spiders and you truly do have arachnophobia you might want to sit back and relax on this one. So, who is in this film? Of course, we all know that John Goodman is in it, but Jeff Daniels is our main star. Now, a lot of people, especially me, you know, I don't really remember his early career, but Dumb and Dumber is really where I know him from. Like, that is when, oh yeah, for me, that put Jeff Daniels on the map. But he's done a lot of stuff, and he's, you know... He's that mix where he can do really good comedic roles at the same time that he can do really good serious roles. Uh, and it's one of those films where he's kind of in the middle, um, but I just wouldn't have remembered that he was even in this movie, honestly, if I hadn't seen the trailer again. I mean, he's just one of those guys where you're like, yeah, I know who he is, but 
And you know him by name, but you don't know exactly what he's done. The other thing that's kind of amazing, or or was really familiar, was Harley Jane Kozak. Uh, she's in the film, and she's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, most notably, she was in Parenthood. She was in When Harry Met Sally. And she really got her start in the horror movie, The House on Sorority Row. Um, which, you know, that's something that is quite like it seems for a lot of actresses that are out there i was about to say female actresses but isn't that the way it goes uh <laughs> but a lot of actresses out there uh they get their start in like a lot of these horror movies where they just get a very tiny role or you know it's that scream queen role or they're gonna get killed in the movie or whatever and then they go on to much bigger and larger things and of course, she went on to like Santa Barbara, which was a soap opera that she was on for a while. And she even played a role on Stargate SG-1 as well. So it's very interesting. The cast itself, there's a couple other characters that are in the cast that I recognize, but don't necessarily like put a face to it. Like you see the guy's face and you're not exactly sure where you've seen him before. Like the guy that plays Lloyd, Stuart Pankin. And he's been in a bunch of stuff, uh, most notably known for Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, he was also in, you know, he has approximately three dozen films, including Hollywood Nights, Honey We Shrunk Ourselves, and Fatal Attraction. And like, he's a character actor that when I see him, I know exactly who he is. And I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen him in these roles. And he kind of really does play a smug asshole really well. Which, of course, that's what he's playing in this film. Now, the only really other actor or actress I recognize in this film happens to be the person that plays the wife of Sam Metcalf. And that's played by uh, Frances Bay. And for those out there that might not recognize her... You might recognize her from an Adam Sandler film by the name of Happy Gilmore, but she was also in John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness as well. So right away, like I said, she's not very much in this movie, but right away I was like, oh yeah, that's Happy's grandma. Um, and it was weird to like point her in that direction like when I first saw her. And originally I th actually thought it was the wedding singer, and then I was like, no, 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 it's not the wedding singer. She's not the rapping grandma. Uh, no, oh, that's right, she's Happy Gilmore, she's her, his, his grandma, not her grandma, uh, but nonetheless, there's a lot of people in this film that you can kind of recognize, maybe you don't know exactly where they're at, but in general, uh, I think that it's a great ensemble cast, and they do a good job at being what they are in this film. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into Arachnophobia. The film itself opens up out in Venezuela, and we get some nice sweeping shots, and we're actually, before we really get over to the big theme song and everything, and it's weird, I don't remember seeing the title card even pop up, maybe I just wasn't paying as much attention because I was writing notes, but I just don't remember the title card actually popping up, or, or the name of the film, or whatever, it just was starring whoever, and they moved on. Probably was there in the beginning, but nonetheless, we're introduced into two characters. We're introduced to a photographer that's there to help a fellow bug hunter, uh, who happens to be played by the other guy that I should have said who you would totally recognize in this film, Julian Sands, who, if you don't know who that is, you need to look up the movie Warlock, 
because that movie it has a lot of fucking childhood memories for me. But he was the star of all of the Warlock franchise. And yeah, they even got their own video game <laughs> on the Super Nintendo. But he's there, he's researching for bugs, and we get to meet them for the very first time right at the start of the film. Welcome, <laughs> Dr. Atherton, I presume. <laughs> Hey, wait a minute, not so fast. We're in a hurry, Mr. Manley. Leave your personal things, just bring your equipment. We depart immediately. Miguel Aguirre, our field assistant, Jerry Manley. Muy bien. Sorry I'm late. I've been held up in Caracas for a while with a fever. Tell you the truth, I'm not over it yet. Well, be sick on your own time, Mr. Manley. Now, I want close-ups of every specimen and coverage of the surrounding rainforest and tapuis. What? Tapui. It's an Indian word for mountain, a place where species have survived in isolation for millions of years. Oh, any man-eating dinosaurs? Holy Atherton, but you're in luck. We're hitting a brand new one today. Oh, great. Anybody ever get lost? Legend says that men who climb to the rain desert never return. But don't worry, we small game hunters don't climb, we fly. So they take off in the helicopter and they travel to their remote destination. There's a couple little weird quips back and forth, kind of funny commentary. You can tell that the photographer guy here, he's really out of place. Like, he doesn't really belong on that. And there's even one point where they talk about their specialities and he asks exactly to Dr. Atherton here what is his speciality and his response is relatively funny. Cuidado. Atención bajando, muchachos. Sejulipis. Edible and nutritious enough to survive on for weeks. Thanks, I'll pass. Plants your specialty? Insects and spiders and identifying new ones. Great. Oh, just what the world needs. More bugs. What's your speciality, Manly? Football. So he's primarily, I guess the joke is that he's a sports photographer primarily, and he's really out of place in this world. Even when they're in the helicopter, there's one little scene where he's got like an ant on him, and the guy flicks it off, and he's like, oh, is that, you know, dangerous? And he's like, well, you know, a whole colony of them could swallow you whole in 24 hours. And that's why they call it the 24-hour ant. And then the, the helicopter pilot is also frogs. Frogs could kill you. Don't touch. You know, it's really kind of ridiculous. I guess it's meant to be kind of funny. But I really like the intro to this film. I like that it doesn't kind of jump you in right away. It gives you the whole explanation of exactly how this killer spider got over into a town here in California. Which surprised me enough to exactly where this place is. It doesn't exist, but we'll talk about that when the time comes. So they get to a point to where the guides that are leading them won't carry them anymore, won't lead them anywhere, because they don't want to go into this section of the forest. They go down into kind of a creepy area, and the photographer guy, he sees a giant spider web on the side, and he decides to take a picture of it. Of course, as they call to him to come away, he ends up turning around and gets caught into the web, and he's screaming, yelling, and the other guides that are, or the other, you know, scientists that are working with Dr. Atherton come over and... <laughs> Basically, say something really fucked up to him. Manly, you all right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. I just... Ten cuidado, es demasiado grande para cargarlo. What'd he say? He says you should be careful that you're too big for us to carry out. Vámonos. Is that a fucking fat joke? 
Are you making fucking fat jokes already in this movie? And then why are these people exactly going down to this area where the guides, who happen to be like aboriginal type of guides, or Amazonians I guess you could say, they won't go into this area where you're trying to find bugs. So there must be something really fucked up down there that all of a sudden you decide, well this is the way that I gotta go because hey, nobody's ever seen anything, so of course you're gonna run into some type of like killer fucking spider or maybe some giant fucking man-eating snakes or something or somebody with a very bad fucking accent that's gonna force you to capture those snakes who knows what the fuck they have down there but your guides decide that they don't want to let like follow you down there or do anything with you wouldn't you be like huh maybe this isn't the place that i want to go and then they're like well you know if you died you're way too fucking fat for us to bring back up and that's really fucked up so you know right away that that guy is probably not gonna die at least right now so they get everything set up and they have these like giant like bug catcher things. They're all these like steel things that are kind of set everywhere and they're basically going to take a giant fucking like smoke machine, but it's not really a smoke machine as much as it's like a I don't know if it's a paralytic like type of gas or it's basically just insecticide that they're going to spray all over this fucking part of the, you know, the forest here, so they can see if they can find some other type of bugs in the area. And they've got these, like, almost like giant chain gun looking things. Like, I'm ready for fucking Arnold to bust out of the forest with one of these things and try to use it on the Predator, but the only thing that's gonna happen is gonna blow smoke in his face. Or if you've ever seen that one gif of the guy that loads it up with a bunch of weed in the back, lights that shit, and then blows it over the party, that's to imagine where that idea came from was from this fucking movie. So, with Warlock over here, I mean, Dr. Atherton, he takes the thing, sprays it up to the sky, then all of a sudden, all sorts of bugs start dropping into their little collection bins. What is it? I think it's a new species of butterfly. We could call it Coteus manlii. Gares, look at these markings. Don't just sit there. Are you sure it's dead? Yes. Quite dead. Daniel. Two more. Well, this is highly unusual. So many spiders this size in such a confined area. And look at the shape of the abdomen. We must try to find a live specimen. It was alive! Then you're ridiculous. It's just a spider. What's a big deal? It wasn't just a spider, Mr. Manley. It was potentially a new species of spider, isolated and unchanged for millions of years. And all you could do is squash it. Professor! No está muerto. Es increíble que sobrevives de donde vienes. No está muerto. That's impossible. They should be dead. Very aggressive. We'll take two back alive and preserve two. Okay, so, first off, fuck you, Warlock, okay? The whole thing that's going on with this situation, that thing jumped at him. I would have squashed that fucking thing at the same time, too. Like, there's no reason for you to, be, like, be okay with something that's fucking attacking you, alright? Like, 
it really is self-defense. Not this type of it's coming right for us, I'm going to shoot it if I after I yell that shit or whatever is going on here. But it really jumped on his fucking camera. It was dead. He went in there and he tried to make sure the lighting was good so that he could take the picture for this fucking asshole. And then when it jumped on him... He threw it down. Who knows what's going to go on with that spider? New species of spider. Do you ever think that it might be some type of super toxic spider and it's going to jump and it's going to stab him and then he's going to die almost fucking instantly? Did you even fucking think about that? No. What you thought was going to happen was you just make sure that it stays alive. Oh, it's not going to do anything to you. It's more afraid of you than it is of us. But it fucking attacked him. And you're like, what? What did you do? Well, it jumped at me. You didn't hear me fucking scream, and then all of a sudden when it comes down to, you like, look, this one's not dead. If you didn't know what the guy was saying, he's saying, no muerte, no muerte, which means not dead, right? And so, he, it's in the little jar, and it's jumping at him, and then he's just like, oh, sorry, maybe I overreacted after you stepped on it. No, he's just like, oh, well, let's make sure we take two alive, and then make sure the rest are fucking dead. Because that's what we should do. We should take a new species of spider that you've never seen before. You don't know how deadly it possibly could fucking be. And just take it out of the fucking habitat that it's already living in. And that's also where we get spider vision for the first time. And we see this kind of like... This is one of the points where the animatronics don't look very good. Like, the spider inside of the thing when it's jumping and shit looks great. I really like that. And, uh, but the one that's like the quote unquote general that's like looking about, when they show it up close, it looks really, like, it just looks bad. I think at the time, you know, it's kind of like creepy and stuff like that, but it's not like exactly what I would have expected. And I don't know why. I kept having images in my movie that the it fucking spider was in this fucking movie, and I think that I'm thinking of another movie altogether. Now, the little jump scare that did happen, it fucking got me. And it even, like, listening back to this and doing it again, it got me fucking again. I can't believe that I fell for that fucking jump scare. But this is something I really like about this film. Is that the tension scenes and the scenes where you see the spiders walking around, you're really, like, gripped into the situation. You see the little moments, you see everything that's kind of being set up. But you're still like, oh fuck, don't don't go after those people, oh my god. And, and the way they just set it up is so good. Frank Marshall does a fantastic job of making you live in the moment of the scene. Because I know that that thing is going to fucking jump at him, okay? I know that it's still going to be fucking alive. Because how does the spider get to fucking USA other than it's still alive or something catches a ride or something like that. So I'm expecting it. But it's still fucking like caused me to jump back because the whole way the scene was set up was so good and this happens multiple times throughout the whole movie where you're sitting there and you know that these things are going to happen yet the tension is built so well that you just you get caught up in the moment and boom something scares you and man it's so enjoyable when it does so we see this general spider, or, you know, I call it that right now, and I really shouldn't be because they explain it a little bit, and possibly the next thing we're talking about, but you see the, the spider that's going around there, and it's like crawling through the stuff as they're collecting everything they're they're going to be collecting for this time, all the new butterflies and other bugs that they've 
you know, fucking killed to basically put them in, you know, whatever specimen kits that they want. And so, as they're packing everything up, that spider crawls along the ground and hides in the backpack on one of the things that they're going to be carrying around back to camp. And so, when they get back to camp, we see that they've dissected this new spider some, and there's some interesting things about it. But our photographer friend here, he still has a little bit of a fever, and so he decides that he's also going to go to rest, but something's going to happen to him. Incredible. What is? These spiders have no reproductive organs, almost like worker bees or soldier ants. Yeah, these are the soldiers. I'd hate to see the general. How are you feeling? Oh, like hell. This fever's killing me. You don't look so good. Take a rest. So he goes back into the tent and he decides to lay down and that's when the general spider comes out of the bag and then crawls underneath the, the blankets like a fucking spider perv. So the construct of these spiders and the way that they kind of act and they're kind of built is more like a, like they said, like bees or ants, right? So you have drones, you have workers and soldiers and everything like that. And this seems to be more of the soldier spider that you have set up. And this is not common amongst most arachnids that are out there. And so it's very interesting to an etymologist because when you find a new type of bug or a new type of lethal bug, you want to investigate everything about it to get a better understanding of what exactly the bug is, right? So that you can bring that home and do whatever you need to do. But it's just kind of weird that you want to take these things alive and you're realizing like they're not even really going deep into this thing and to what possibly well because it's the drone maybe it's not venomous maybe i'm getting ahead of myself here but the other bug the other spider that's inside the backpack well that happens to be venomous as fuck because like i said like a spider perv it crawls underneath the damn sheets and it's like <laughs> it's like that scene in the new annabelle where the damn doll is at the be- at the edge of the bed and it slowly creeps up it slowly crawls up his crotch until it like bites him somewhere and then almost instantly he just fucking drops like he's laying there he convulses he's got blood coming out of his mouth and of course when they run over you know right after the spider has done whatever his bite has done they investigate and see that he's dead and then they think oh man it's the fever yet he's got blood coming out of his fucking mouth like yeah a fever is really going to cause you to bleed all over the fucking place as well so okay maybe i'll fucking give it to him okay maybe okay the fever might be doing that but who knows so they put him in a wooden casket and then, of course, the general spider crawls into the, you know, the case and they take it with them back to the U.S. When he comes back, we're now taken to the town of Kaimar, uh, which is, I want to say, for me, what it looks like is it looks like, you know, one, it's like a rural area of California. It seems like it, it could be on the coast. It kind of reminds me of like Half Moon Bay. If you've ever been around here um, it's a little bit of a small community, but that's kind of on the water. But if you go into like the foresty type of areas, it kind of looks like that. It could be further north, uh, but it's somewhere that's relatively close by. 
because when we learn later where the Jenning family is from, it makes kind of sense that they're just kind of more in the rural areas of the Bay Area or a place where like the spider can actually survive. Now they could be more up north, maybe north, like towards Sonoma in that area, or maybe they've gone more south towards like the Santa Cruz area. But the film itself was actually filmed in uh, Cambria, California, as well as Pasadena, California, and Kanaima National Park. It's not really a city per se. Like, I actually started looking it up. I'm like, oh, where could this possibly be? But it's just a national park here in California that at least I could find. If you guys could point me to the real city, I'd be more than happy to look it up. But based upon where it was filmed down in Pasadena and in Cambria... That's kind of like a mix of everything. It's not necessarily a city that exists. So we see the coffin come over and it's now reached the morgue there in the city of Kaima. Uh, or Kaima or whatever the fuck it's called. I keep wanting to call it Kaimar for some reason. It's, you know, it's Kanaima. That's what it actually is. And I'm sorry, I'm going to keep fucking that name up. I know the rest of the fucking episode. So there's your warning. I'm going to keep fucking it up. So <laughs> we look inside the morgue. And of course, when you're talking with coroners or anybody else, they're always the guys that are like, okay, around dead bodies and eating things. But he does decide to call the parents of the guy that deceased and let them know that, you know what? It might not be a good idea to have an open casket. At the same time, the spider gets out and it, we get a little bit of spider vision as he chases some animals through the place. Dick, I'm sorry to pester you in this already difficult time. Um, uh, I, I know that we already decided on an open casket, but we should uh, maybe uh, reconsider uh, because, well, uh, because I'm not sure how they work down in South America, Dick, but uh, let me say that their preservation methods differ from ours. Yeah, well, well no, no, you'd be welcome to come down and, and uh, decide. But uh, in this already difficult time, I, I'm not sure I could do that. Well, well no, you, you, you do have the option of, of we could put a photograph on, on the top of the casket. Yeah, or, yeah, the, no, the, the one that you had in the newspaper. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, now, I really thought this cat was going to get it, all right? And... I'll tell you why. Because that cat is a fucking thieving bastard, alright? He goes on top of the, the coffin where the guy left his sandwich, and of course he steals his fucking bread. He jumps up there, he grabs the bread, and he fucking runs off. And then he's sitting there eating it, and I'm like, okay, he's gonna get his comeuppance because the spider's gonna come and get... No, he gets away with it. The guy doesn't even notice that part of his sandwich is fucking gone, and here's the cat in the fucking quarter fucking chewing on his bread, that thieving little fucking bastard. He should have gotten it from the goddamn spider, but we're not gonna see any type of animals other than the uh, crow that decides that it's gonna grab the spider and fly it out over uh, Kanaima and ended up, uh, when the spider wants to be dropped off, instead of just saying, hey, just drop me off here, he bites the bird, which causes them to crash. The spider is able to survive that drop from about, uh, I don't know, maybe 30 feet up in the air. But you know what? It's a spider. I'll give it that. I've seen those things fly from a lot of different reasons, like high up places and still land perfectly fine. So I'm pretty sure that it could have survived that drop. The bird, on the other hand, can't survive the spider bite. So it lies dead inside of the uh, the backyard of the Jennings family. And this is where we're introduced to everybody there. 
because you see Ross Jennings, who's played by Jeff Daniels. He's just arrived in Kanaima, uh, and he's just taken up a new residence as a new doctor for the town because supposedly the old doctor is going to be retiring. So why don't we take a second and meet the fam? Okay, kids, go stick out your rooms. Oh, Ross, smell that air. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, let's just... Before we discover what valuables broken to move and that the, the break front doesn't fit into the dining room, let's just huh? chant twice. We did the right thing. Oh, yeah. We did the we right, did the right thing. thing. Yeah, for the kids. For us, for all of us. Goodbye crime, goodbye grime. Right. Goodbye culture, goodbye friends. Hey, Dad! There's a dead bird over here! Well, don't touch it. Just go on, go on into the house and find your sister. Ross, the entire town is yours. You're the doctor. I mean, can there be a more respected figure? Uh, respect is fine, but actually I've always wanted to be feared. Uh, easy, easy, easy with that. That's, don't, easy. I don't want to agitate the sediments. Chateau Margaux, 127 bucks a bottle. Tasty, huh? That price, who can afford to drink it? Goes in the basement. I mean the, uh, the cellar. The wine cellar. Okay, haven't I heard this premise of a movie before? Family decides to move from the big city to a small rural country. He happens to be a doctor. Um, he's got two young kids with him. And then a wife that, you know, is not quite sure about the move, but she's totally behind him because... He's the big doctor for the new area. And then there's dead animals. I'm sure that movie will come to me at some point. But that definitely sounds like the same type of premise and setup as something I've seen before. Or possibly read by a very famous horror author. But nonetheless, here they are in the now you know big, bright, rural area. They've got their new house. He's got his wine. And of course, you know, he's... They, focus on the really expensive wine which may come back at some point in the movie no idea if it will or not but they made sure to point that out to you and as they're getting set up and everything's getting ready to go the boy does go over and see the dead bird which he's not freaked out by and he's as he goes over to grab his ball because his ball's fallen that he's you know just recklessly throwing up into the air and trying to catch but he's a terrible baseball player so he's not able to catch it right away it rolls over there by the dead crow and then eventually, as he goes to grab it, the spider slowly moves out in the corner, but the spider instead decides to go and kick it in the barn for a little while. We hear yelling from inside the house, and we see that his son is coming outside very upset because he found something in the moving boxes. What? What's wrong? Mine with the boxes, a spider! A spider? Okay. It came at me. It was ugly. Bigger than this! Okay, alright, calm down. Just, you're in the country now. Okay? Come on, let's go find that spider. Let's find your mom to take care of that spider. Honey, we're in the living room. We need you to kill a spider. All right. Where is it? Over there in the box. Killing a spider? Cool. It's bad luck to kill a spider in a new house. 
just made that up, didn't you, dear? Okay. Everything's okay. Thing. It's more scared of us than we are of it. Let's give it a home in the barn. Yeah, good idea, Shell. Like that is. Hey, you, I'm not afraid of all bugs. Just careful of rusty nails. Dad, chill out. Yeah. Oh, come on. He's just a little spider dugans. You can let him, like, stay with you. He's not going to do anything. Plus, he'll kill all the things around the house. There's nothing wrong with that leaving that poor little spider there. In fact, it's probably pretty good that you're going to put him in the barn where he might not, you know, or she might not be able to get with the other spider. Oh. I can see where this is going. But, so, it's weird to think that both of the male characters have some sort of arachnophobia, while the female characters have no problem with the bugs whatsoever. I, it's just kind of a weird, like, role reversal. Normally you think it's, you know, stereotypically it's the women that have the fear of bugs and icky things, and the boys are always like, yeah, I love fucking centipedes and, like, scorpions and all this fucking bullshit. And here it's like the girl is super excited that it's a spider. Oh no, we have to make sure that we actually save it. And we have to make sure that we put it into a good home. And the boy's like, fucking kill it. Kill that motherfucker. I don't need that shit in my house. Which probably they should have done, but nonetheless. So they turn in for the night and we see everybody kind of like settling down. Including our two spider fans who have now found each other. And they're like looking at each other lovingly. And then that's when the spider porn happens. Well, not quite. So there's, it's just weird because it's like, you know, you have Ross and his wife, Molly, there. They're in the bed. They're talking. Everything seems to be, oh, settling down. We're going to be, oh, all loving. And then you go over to the spider and it's just like, well, it made me think of a song. Spider porn, spider porn, who the hell watches spider porn? How does it work? Should we know? Why is this movie? Show me this. Watch out, here comes the spider porn. Yeah, basically, they like look into each other's eyes lovingly, and you see like the big spider, and he's like, I'm gonna ram it in you, and we're gonna produce tons of offspring. And it's like, what the fuck? What, what is this? Like, what are you making me feel for these two spiders? You're gonna make me and force me to watch these two get it on? Is that what's gonna go on? So instead of watching Jeff Daniels and his wife in this film, like, go at it because it's gonna be a loving experience and we might as well have it? No, we're gonna sit here and watch some fucking spider porn get these spiders going at it. So, <laughs> we fade over to the next day. And we see that he is now in town because, you know, he's a little nervous. You know, Ross here, he's going to be starting new practice. They've just moved into this area. You know, he's supposed to be getting everything back. So he goes to the local doctor to talk about how they're going to transition, you know, his patients over to him. And he does get some very bad news. And we also get to meet two other people of the town uh, right after he gets that bad news from the local doctor. I have terrific news, at least uh, I think for my patients it's terrific, yeah. though my wife is less than thrilled. 
What's that, Dr. Metcalf? I've decided to postpone retirement. I don't know for how long, but... Uh... But? But when I thought really hard about it, I realized there's only one thing left to do when you retire. And I've seen too many friends do that very thing just six months, a year after they gave up their professions. But uh, you... When we spoke just four months ago, you assured me that... Uh... I'm not ready to retire, Doctor. And if my wife can't rush me into it, you sure as hell can't either. Excuse me. You gotta feed the meter, partner. <laughs> yeah, well, I was just uh, leaving. Mm. A little late, though. Mm. I do have medical plates. Oh, right. You're that new doctor. Yeah. Ross Jennings. Sheriff Floyd Parsons. Yes. You're a Yale grad, I heard. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just a school. Isn't it? That's enough, Lloyd Parsons. A young doctor comes to Kanaima, and you write him a parking ticket? What are you doing, Miss Hollings? The whole town ought to be doing. Your ticket tape parade. <laughs> Thank you. That's littering, Miss Hollings. Oh, Lloyd's been a bully since the fifth grade. I ought to know. I held him back. Walk me to my automobile. Thank you for the swift intervention. How did you know who I was? We're neighbors. Gave you a standing ovation when you arrived. Oh. Between you and me, Sam Metcalf only recently gave up leeches. Yeah, he also recently gave up retirement. We moved down here from San Francisco with the understanding that I would inherit all of his patients, but now I have none. No, Dr. Jennings. You have one. So, okay, the very first thing is with Dr. Metcalf here. And it's really fucked up that all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, he's like, look, I can't retire because I'm possibly going to fucking die. And I know a lot of people that stopped working and that was it. They just fucking killed over. Where, you know what? You could be like, look, why don't we just transition? Like, I'm going to be here. I'll give you all the information on my things. But I want to actually work with you for a little while. Not just fucking, like, end my whole thing. But maybe I'll help you transition. Like, let's get the patients in here. I'll give you all of their fucking documents. And rather than just, like, continue working till the day of fucking drop dead, which is what it sounds like he wants to do, he just kind of fears the fact that there's going to be change in this town and he's not going to be the top dog doctor anymore. And so that's the big first fuck you to Ross here. And then he steps outside and we meet Lloyd for the very first time. And Lloyd's a fucking dick. Okay, all he has to do is just be cool and he'd been like, look, I was just talking with the doctor. Look, I've got medical plates. You know, can you give me a break? And of course, he's like, no, I have to do that. And that's where Margaret comes in and saves the day. Who doesn't really trust Dr. Metcalf's current situation, like she says, which is relatively funny. I don't think he's gotten past leeches yet. Um, so it's just like she wants to move on. She wants a new new blood in the town and she's going to be his very first patient. So maybe not everything is bad with a day. She did also rip up the ticket from the officer as well. But, you know, 
it just seems kind of silly that everything was like cool about that. Like she does it and he's just like, oh, that's littering instead of being like, look, I'm going to fucking arrest you because you went and you did, uh, you destroyed an official piece of paper that says that this guy owes me money for parking in this meter after it's fucking expired. After he's had a bad fucking day of learning that he's not going to have any type of work in this fucking town. So Ross goes back home, and as the kids are playing outside, he tells his wife Molly exactly the good news as well as the bad news about being in this town. Honey, look at this light. On the best day in the city, we didn't get light like this. Maybe they'll give me a show in town. Don't they do that in little towns, in the town hall? Molly Jennings, a retrospective. Of course, I'll need to take some pictures first. There's good news and there's bad news. Should we go in reverse alphabetical order? Start with the good? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm seeing my first patient this afternoon. She's a great old dame. She lives just up the road. Terrific. What's the bad news? She's my only patient. Today? <sighs> Metcalf changed his mind. What? Yeah. He panicked. That's what it is. He decided that if he retires, he will lose his zest for life and die within 48 hours or something. I don't know. But he told you. I, we looked in 14 different towns. We bought a house. You rented yeah. an office. What are we going to do? Kill him? I have my fax machine. I can work part-time from here. A phone and a fax machine, that's all I need. I'll call my old clients, honey, tell them I'm honey, available part-time. You look just half honey, my commissions honey. up. We're gonna be fine. We'll be all right, just like you said. With one patient? Well, I, you know, maybe I'll get lucky and all of her systems will be ravaged by disease. Well, kind of like having seven patients in one. Okay, that's really fucked up, Dr. Ross. I mean, seriously, you're hoping that she's, like, so fucking broken down that, hey, I'm gonna get a ton of money from this bitch because she's, like, ravaged with all sorts of diseases, and that's how I'm gonna make my money. And his wife actually has a good plan, too, that he's just kind of shutting down, like... He wants her out of that, like he doesn't want to make her work, because I know they came from San Francisco. I totally fucking get it, okay? There's no way unless, you know, they're fucking ridiculously well off that you're going to live in the city and both of you are not going to work. Even if you're making more than $100,000 a year, it's going to be fucking a big fucking chore to afford anything in the fucking city. And you're probably also going to be living in a one-bedroom fucking condo with your wife and your two kids. And you're all going to have to share the same fucking bed because that's the only way that you can fucking survive in the city. I fucking get it, okay? I'm so close to that situation. But it's like... She just said, you know, for us to be able to stay here, I have a fax machine and a phone and I can still do some of the fucking work that I did, which we never really quite get exactly what she does. I think it's something to do with like stock brokerage or some shit like that. So, you know what? That would actually help them survive for a little while. And he's just like, no, maybe the bitch is dying. <laughs> That'll be enough money. Like, that's the way I'm going to bleed the money. I'm going to bleed it from the stone, you know? It's fucking terrible to have that outlook. Other than, okay, you know what? Well, wait. You know, maybe she'll lead us to more patience. Like, that's a better way to think about it rather than maybe she's fucking ravaged with all sorts of diseases. So, 
We fade over to the afternoon, and now the very first patient, Margaret, she's come to his office, and they've actually found out that the stuff that she's been given by Dr. Metcalf actually is probably not very good for her, um, as there's multiple types of hypertension, and that's what leads Margaret to decide there's a way to introduce you know, Ross to the entire community, and she's going to make sure that he gets to know more people in the town. See, there are... There's a difference between the two types of hypertension, and in my opinion... In my opinion, Dr. Metcalf isn't aware of the difference between his ass and a hole in the ground. <laughs> Look, and I'm the folks, they're comfortable with him. They weren't always, though. When he first hit town just after the war, everyone was terribly standoffish. Really? How do you overcome that? He threw a party, invited the whole town. If Sam Metcalf were half as good at medicine as he is at public relations, he could run for the next Surgeon General. <laughs> That's it. Next month, when the afternoons are cooler, we'll throw you a party. Thanks. So, is that what you do? Is that what I need to do now? Like, to get bigger in the podcasting community and more people to listen to the goddamn show? I need to throw a fucking party? Like, where do I go for that? Like, where's the podcaster area for fucking parties? Like, is it, like, do I have to go, like, Texas or something? Or maybe you have to go to, like, New York or L.A. Or maybe you have to go to Florida and, and you know, become a Florida man. And then all of a sudden they were like, hey, he's Florida man. He threw a party and that's how he got more podcast listeners because everybody's like, what the fuck is he doing? I don't know. But this seems to be the way that it works in this town over here is to make sure that everybody knows who he is and what exactly he does. And I guess if she vouches for him, if she's well known in the community, then, hey, I guess that'll work. Or maybe it won't. Maybe something bad will happen that'll make everybody look at him in the wrong light. Uh, meanwhile, we cut back over to Molly and we see that now she's inspecting the barn because she's just kind of interested in looking at the property. And I really thought it was the daughter at first, just from the long shot. But when we got up close, we see that it's her in investigating everything that's in there. She finds a giant spider web up there. And there's a couple moments of the will she or won't she be bitten because uh, we see the general kind of looking on and almost like he's going to go out there and attack her. But she takes a couple pictures and then she leaves. I should say that that web is fucking huge. Like, it wouldn't take one spider overnight to make something that fucking big unless it was a big fucking spider. And of course, that doesn't really seem to faze her when she finally does bring it up during their dinner conversation where Ross tells about his appointment with Margaret and she tells him about the web that was found outside. So, your one patient, is she a walking health hazard? I couldn't even find a ward on her. Great. So what do we do? Well, to enjoy the fact that since we no longer live in San Francisco, we no longer have to refer to this as pasta. Skinny spaghetti. No, no, Daddy's not done, okay? On the bright side, Margaret, my tragically healthy patient, has offered to throw us a get-to-know-Dr.Jennings party. No, no, Daddy's not done. No, Daddy's not done. One, uh, one cup of punch with a handsome new GP and good people at Kanaima. They're going to see the light. They're going to abandon old Doc Metcalf. Well, it's a nice gesture. Yeah, I thought so. Can we go play with Bunny? Yeah, I want you both in before dark, though. Bunny Beechwood. She popped over this morning. A neighbor. Seems nice. Hmm. What do you bet they're going to go chase fireflies or something? <laughs> want to blow up a bullfrog? Okay. Okay, I want to pause it before we start talking about the web here. Um, 
but like the whole situation, you know, comes down to, okay, maybe we'll be okay because we're not in San Francisco anymore. And basically things are going to be a little cheaper, but we'll see what happens. You know, even he looks like he's going to be somewhat optimistic because he meets more people in town and maybe he's able to get more business that way. They Maybe they feel the same way about Dr. Metcalf that the Margaret feels about him, right? And then he's going to steal a bunch of business away from him, which I guess would be good for him and, you know, enable him to do a little bit more around the town. Now... What's funny is, is that they think everything is all nice and wholesome. Oh, you know, because we're out here in the country, there's not a whole lot of things that can go wrong. And then, like, oh, yeah, here comes Bunny. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, Bunny Beachwood, she looks nice. Now, she looks like she's a slack-jawed yokel, okay? When you look at her, she's got the overalls on. I'm not saying that the girl is, but she looks like fucking trouble. And they're like, oh, what are they going to do? They're going to go look at fireflies? And then, boom, hey, you want to blow up a bullfrog? Like, what the fuck? Where do we go from fireflies to fucking detonating frogs out here? Like, it's fucking ridiculous, and I guess that's one of those scenes where that's part of the thrill omedy. That's the omedy part of the thrill um, <laughs> that we've got going on here. So, while the kids are out there gonna blow up bullfrogs, we learn of two things in the next scene. This is where Molly's gonna talk about the giant spider web, but we also get to learn a lot more about why Ross has severe arachnophobia. I got some great shots in the barn today. Oh, yeah? Yeah. My camera picks up the web with half the detail my eyes do. Uh, the web? Yeah, our little spider made himself a hell of a home. I think even you would appreciate it. Molly, how can I make this more clear? I have a... Terrible a... fear of spiders. I'm aware. I've seen what happens. Which is exactly why I think you should force yourself to come with me and look at the web. Look at the web. Yes, and see it for the, the extraordinary and beautiful thing it is. Therapy, Ross. Come on, we live in the country now. It's time to work through this irrational, paralyzing terror. It's not irrational. I know. The incident. It's like it happened yesterday. Ross, nobody remembers anything from when they were two. It's my first memory. I can envision the crib. All around me, clear as day. I can still feel a feeling of waking up, just drowsy, peaceful, secure, and then there it was. Probably just a daddy long legs. Yeah, well, it seemed huge. And it just came relentlessly, just crawling through the bars of the crib. And then as it touched my bare leg. I know, you were just wearing a diaper. All of my limbs involuntarily froze, just froze. Probably still half asleep is all. I was paralyzed, Molly. I still get paralyzed, okay? Just please try to understand how this makes me feel. I was just physically unable to stop it from crawling along my naked skin. Just, I can still feel its hairy little legs. Just then up to my face. <laughs> you know, it's just a feeling of utter helplessness, being explored by an alien thing, that's all. So it's a little bit of a like an interesting situation that we've got going on here because honestly I can't remember anything from that time I mean when you think about your first earliest like childhood memories I don't really remember anything from like before four like the only thing that I remember when I was young is going and taking the BART with my mom and this is when I was four and BART is barrier rapid transit which is like our subway type of system over here uh, but mass transit you know whatever and 
I took it to Oakland, California, and we got off the BART, and we went to a local, like, bakery, and I got my very first chocolate croissant at that place. And supposedly that was, like, my favorite thing to have there. But that's the only memory that I can really, truly remember doing. And even then, I think there's, like, bits and pieces. Like, they tell you when you're young, a lot of your earlier memories are not necessarily true because you're just learning them from what other people have told you. So you don't always remember everything clearly. You remember bits and pieces, but not everything that you remember. Now, why I was going that way, why we decided to take that trip, whatever, I know that my sister was probably in kindergarten at that time because I was, you know, a year younger than her. So, uh, well, year nine months, but nonetheless, I'm definitely the younger of the two. And so while she was in school, that's where we went out to Oakland for whatever reason that it was. And so it's weird for him to be like, yeah, I was two years old and I totally remember this shit happening to me where the spider crawled all over my naked body, except for you wearing a diaper, right? So it's just a spider. Like, I don't know, but there's different things and I can kind of understand at the same time. And it's probably like, and I'm going to bear this with you guys, I'm afraid of fucking bees. I hate fucking bees. Bees are the worst fucking thing known to fucking man. And it's all because of something that happened to me when I was a young kid. See, I was playing with a bunch of kids in the schoolyard, and we were like running around, and then we all sat down. And when I sat down, I put my hand on top of the grass, which was near a bunch of flowers, where there was a bunch of bees, and at this time I was not afraid of bees. And when I put it down, the bee stung me, and it stung stung me in my like forefinger and it not only did it sting me but it got stuck and you know when honeybees they die you know or they sting you the stinger's supposed to fall off and then the bee falls off and you pull out the stinger and you're done oh no 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 this thing did not want to die right away it kept its fucking little stinger fucking stuck in my finger so it was trying to fucking fly away i was like no i don't want to lose it i don't want to fucking die and i'm just like get off get off and then all the kids around me oh no that's gonna attract all the other bees they're all coming they're gonna sting you to death and i was like no no i don't want to fucking die i'm too beautiful to die at this age and then you know all of the fucking shit that went off you know and that's one of the reasons why I'm so fucking afraid of bees because I always remember that memory and I always think it's going to happen again. But fuck, that happened when I was like seven years old, like six or seven. So I was really fucking young and I shouldn't be really fucking worried about it. But here we are and it, I'm fucking the age I am now and I'm still deathly afraid of fucking bees even though I know I'm not like allergic or shit. So maybe I do understand. I just don't like think that he could remember something at two years old. And I'm pretty sure there are people out there that do have early memories. I think even my wife has like super early memories of a couple of things. But like I said, I don't know how much of it is real and how much of it is fake. But nonetheless, she decides that it's time for him to get over his fear of the spiders and by going in there and just viewing the web. Like, looking how beautiful it is, the craftsmanship, how they artisanally picked the spider silk to make those specific parts of the web. You know, like they had their own fucking interior decorating spider guy that was there, interior spider, you know, that was saying, no, look, the feng shui of this web, it's really gotta be from left to right, not right to left. Well, what do you guys, a bunch of 
bunch of fucking morons putting this shit up. No, it should be hanging from that fucking nail over there, not this one that you put it on, because that's a load-bearing fucking nail. And oh my god, you need to put some fucking Chbosky crystals up in this shit, make it fucking shine all over the goddamn place. So, it's like... <laughs> He has to go into the barn and she's forcing him to like climb up the ladder and he's getting more and more panicked as he's going up there. As he almost gets up to the top, part of the ladder breaks and then all of a sudden in the middle of nowhere something like swings at him and hits him in the fucking face. And it happens to be a dead fucking squirrel that was up in the fucking attic that the spiders were fucking feeding on. And it's really fucking hilarious. Now, they all kind of laugh about it because he's okay. And they're like, oh, God, it's a dead squirrel. But the fact that it's, like, completely wrapped in spiderweb doesn't fucking, like, have any type of impact upon either of them. Like, wait, why is there, like, mummified fucking spider, like, dead squirrel over here? And it's just like, oh, that's just what's in the fucking attic. There's just dead squirrels wrapped in fucking spiderweb. But... Nonetheless, uh, we go cut over to the next day, and we see that they're talking with Dr. Metcalf at the big party that's being thrown by Margaret. And, of course, we learn that, you know, he's, he's really a jerk. No, How are you finding life here? Well, after a few initial shocks, we're slowly adjusting, I think. I've been checking on you, Ross. Henry, when I'm finally ready to throw in the towel, Dr. Jennings is your man. Henry Beachwood. Ross, Jenny. By all accounts, a fine physician. Good. I'll remember that. Oh, this brings back memories. Right after the war, when I moved to Canaima, the whole town threw me a party. Oh, no, Sam, you threw yourself a party. Now that was a party. Now that is a jerk. Yeah, he's a pretty big fucking asshole, especially as we get further on into the movie. Now, what also happened the night before that I didn't mention was that the baby spiders, they started fucking sprouting off everywhere. And now we go back into the barn and we see that one of the spiders that is like one of the drone spiders that we saw earlier in the film, just a little smaller, is now on its way to the party and is slowly creeping up on everybody. And it's one of those things where it's kind of like, okay, that's kind of neat, kind of cool, like the way they're kind of setting it up, but at the same time, it does build, like, a little bit of tension as we're watching the whole scene. But it also is kind of like, um, I don't know exactly how to put it, but, like, <laughs> it's also, like, detracts from it a little bit because of what's kind of going on at the party and everything that's going down. So, like, here, let's go into more of the party talk as we meet more people there, and there's one scene that happens in this where the the mother and the father of the guy that died, the photographer guy, she's upset because she can't see him. They didn't let her like see him. And we're actually talking to the guy from the mortuary at the same time. And then what happens is the spider's like crawling out everywhere and Margaret actually puts a cup on top of the spider. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like, haha, I guess they got it covered and the spider didn't exactly get his way. But it's, you don't get that out of the medium. So just imagine that's kind of happening while the scene's actually playing. Kanaima welcomes. Hey, um, listen, I was interested in something. I wonder mm -hmm. if you can give me a little help here. Uh, do you think that I should have this removed? What's Bunny showing them over there? Hey! It's Green Beret, hand to hand combat techniques. 
So, Becky, have you thought about what you'll major in at college? Jim. It's in the genes. So Bobby here, he's, uh, he's the Broncos' star quarterback. Hi. Hi. I taught him to throw a football before he could walk. <laughs> I coached the team. Nepotism, huh? Actually, we're Baptists. Well, nobody comes up to a mortician at a party and says, Hey, Herb, you think I might be dead? <laughs> Must drive you nuts trying to dip your Dorito while somebody's showing you his growths. <laughs> How do you handle it? Well, I just mentioned that until quite recently, my wife was a successful stockbroker. Say, uh, what, what do you think about that artificial intelligence? Why shouldn't I have another? Because you've had too much already. Let's no, go. I'm thirsty. That's the uh, manlies. Their, their son recently passed away. Oh, that's awful. How? I'm not sure. He, he was a scientist. Photographer. A, a photographer. Yeah, yeah. He was on a scientific expedition down in, in Venice, Venice, Venezuela. Venezuela. Nobody would tell me how. Or even let me see him to Come say on, goodbye. Let's go. Let's go. Why let's wouldn't anybody let me? I, uh had to recommend a closed coffin. That his body looked all chewed up, drained, like some vampire had a go at him. Something was terrible, terrible. Excuse us. Oh. So there's the running gag when they're talking about how terrible everything is and he's eating, of course, when in that upsets, you know, Ross and his wife, like they can't continue on the conversation. So they just leave. So there's a couple things that go on. First, they talk about when the guy approaches him, asking him to see whatever the fucking bump is on his body. And that's kind of common, I think, with a lot of doctors. Oh, you're a doctor. Hey, can you look at something for me? Well, maybe I'm not that type of doctor. Like, you want me to look at your asshole, and yet I'm a nipple doctor or some shit like that. Or ear, nose, and throat. Maybe that's... Because that's actually real. I don't know if there's actually a guy that... You know, or a gal that just focus on nipples, though. Be kind of interesting if that's all you did, right? Like, you went in there and you just were like, Hey, you know, I want to become a doctor, but I want to focus on nipples. Like, what nipples do, like, how we can generate a third one, whether or not nipples are the third eye into the mind or something like that. Might be kind of cool, but nonetheless, like, here's this fucking rash, doctor. Um, I know you're a foot doctor, but it's on my cock, so, hey, you know, why don't you take a look? It's really ridiculous. And then you see, like, the whole situation... There is a, like I said, it's not a complete comedy, but there's some times where some things are relatively funny, and the fact that she talks about nepotism, and the wife is like, no, we're Baptists. Like, that's relatively funny. It's a dumb joke, and it's been done multiple times before, but I still fucking chuckled, and I even chuckled when I was listening to it back for this, you know, third time here. So, then we meet the mortician, and... His wife is taking so many goddamn fucking cookies. Like, bitch, leave some fucking cookies for the rest of the place. I know, again, this is another fucking fat joke. Haha, ha, she's fat, so she wants all the fucking cookies. But honestly, bitch, like, leave just a couple there so people can have them. What, did you bring a fucking Tupperware container with you, too? You're gonna fill it up with everything else and make sure that you have some stuff to go home, even though you didn't fucking pay for any of this shit? Stop stealing the goddamn fucking cookies. Oh, so 
while that fucking cookie thief is having her fill of all the fucking sweets on the table, and that's when, you know, we see the spider kind of whipping and diving and dodging and trying to go after people there at the party. Eventually, you know, everybody leaves. They thank Margaret because Margaret's been such a great host, and the fact that she even did this for them is amazing to them. And then we go to Margaret's place at night, and it's really, truly terrible that she's got to be, well, technically the second person that gets killed. Uh, I mean, the crow's not a person, right? Uh, <laughs> at least I don't think so. But, uh, like, that she's got to be the next one to die. Because she is relatively nice, and she's really helping out Dr. Ross over here. And, you know, she's the one that wants to make sure that this asshole, you know, doesn't isn't the doctor anymore in this town. Uh, because he might be a quack. But who, who really knows? So she's basically sitting around her living room. We see the spider like moving around. And it's basically moving from part of the house to part of the house. And it's around the living room. And we see the cat there. And again, I think, ah, oh, shit, the cat's going to get it. This cat is actually a relatively nice cat. It's not that fucking thief cat from earlier in the fucking movie. So, you know, you think that when she goes to get the cat, that's when she's going to get bitten. But she doesn't get bitten. And then she's sitting around and she's drinking, you know, her milk. And you think when she goes for the glass of milk, that's when she's going to get bitten. And that's not the case. And then she's looking at the picture of her husband. And she's like, Frank, you know, I would really love for you to be here. You'd really enjoy it. You would really like the new doctor. I think everything's going to be fine. And then when she puts the picture frame back down under the light, that's when the spider drops down from the light and bites her. We then go over after she's been basically murdered by the spider. Spider murder. Um, <laughs> that's that's the one Spider-Man villain you've never seen before. Spider murderer. Um, and we see that in the basement that Ross, he's working on his wine cellar. And he decides that he's going to be like, he shoots the nail and tries to hang something up in the wood. But it goes right through the wood. So he takes his nail gun and he puts it up on the ceiling wood and he fires and it just like fucking splinters everywhere and the nail goes right through the floor. And then he does another one, like not thinking that anybody could possibly be above him or anything else inside the goddamn kitchen. But nonetheless, like he manages to miss them. Uh, you know, Molly yells down to him. He yells up to Molly and then he sees that, oh, well, I guess you guys, I could have shot you in the foot. You stupid fucking motherfucker like why why would you just do that like why would you just not test it on another part and if you're gonna do it on the beam like why point it straight up because if the beam is fucking rotted then it is gonna go right through the floor and somebody could be fucking up there you just got fucking lucky just put it off to the side and shoot it maybe it ricochets off something and it hits you in the thigh at least it hits you and you didn't stab anybody else in the foot unless you're trying to create your own new saw traps you know then you've got a fucking lawsuit on your hands here because i'm pretty sure that nails through the feet have been used in a saw movie already so while he's upstairs and he basically thinks that it's termites she molly has been trying to reach margaret to thank her for all the nice stuff that she's done and of course she can't get a hold of her so she decides to send ross over there to check on her and when ross goes inside the house unfortunately he sees that poor margaret she's passed away and then of course her doctor you know Dr. Asshole over here, he shows up because he's that's been his patient for the last 40 years, and he's the one that's going to make the actual determination of how she died, even though Dr. Ross doesn't really agree. He had a history of high blood pressure, 
Even with the pills I put her I on? I took her off those. What right did you have to do that? She came to me as a patient. I examined And you her. didn't notice that she was hypertensive? Her diastolic reading was normal. Her systolic elevation was below 160. Now, if you've stayed current... This is a very serious matter, young man. Ah, boy. You may well have killed this lovely woman. I don't think so. She was in fine shape. I want an autopsy. Never. Oh, look. She was my patient. All and right? mine for 40 years. God knows Margaret wouldn't want to be butchered, and nobody in this town would want that for her. Give it to me, Earth. I'm satisfied if you're satisfied, Doc. You come from a big city where people don't care about each other. I don't expect you to understand. A little advice. If you're ever going to fit in in Kanaima, you'd better learn to be sensitive to the feelings of the good people I'm here. I'm sorry I'm more interested in medicine than public relations. You know, cardiac victims don't usually bite their tongues off, doctor. It's as though she went into titanic convulsions. Now, until I know why, this case isn't closed. You're damn right it's not closed. I believe you may be guilty of medical malpractice, and I intend to pursue the matter to its conclusion. Okay, let me get this straight. So, she bit off her fucking tongue, and you think it's just regular cardiac arrest? Like, you're not even gonna fucking, like, investigate this shit? And really, Ross has the right feeling about this. He's like, it's not just that. And if you really were paying attention to your fucking updates, like actually going and going back to school for a little bit, like most doctors do, but no, you're still in this town. You've just become comfortable. So you're just like, okay, I'm the only doctor here. I'm Everybody comes to me. Everybody likes me. I'm friendly with everybody. But you don't update your medical knowledge and you don't listen to new shit. It's fucking ridiculous that you would think right away that, oh, she just had a heart attack because, hey, she didn't get the medication that she needed, which she didn't really fucking need. So this guy is a total fucking quack dick at this point, right? He just needs to get the fuck out of there and stop dealing with the shit that's going on. So meanwhile, after we've had this situation... We see that Molly has called the local exterminator, and this is where we get introduced to Delbert, who happens to be John Goodman's character. Now, I remember him being a little more, a little less eccentric than he really is, in at least the way that he is here, but a little more, like, badass, headstrong, like, type of person. And at least the trailers kind of make it seem so, but based upon this introduction, it's, it's not what I'm going to expect it to actually be something in the cellar and the wood just disintegrated. Very much, huh? And that's what my husband thought. And he's an expert in these matters. Well, no. Didn't think so. Well, I'm glad you called me. No room for amateurs in this game. Object if I tore this floor out. I would. False alarm, then lead on. How bad is it? Shh. I didn't find a thing. Go figure. Well, then why is all the wood rotting? 
I'll tell you why. Bad wood. So what do we do? Tear out bad wood. Put in good wood. My husband thought this would make a good wine cellar. Oh, yeah? I collect beer cans myself. I got a rare 74 Miller Lite with a misprint on the label. Only 100 or so cans in circulation. The husband just might want to take a gander. So here we are. We're meeting Delbert for the very first time. And it's like a fucking like sitcom that he's in, right? The music itself is so ridiculous for the scene. It's got that... And it's like all like happy, like silly, you know, however you want to say it is for this scene. But it's just really really odd that this is the choice that we've got in this type of film and it only shows up that music shows up every single fucking time that we see Delbert and we don't see him very much in the whole movie so it's just kind of odd like I thought that he was more of like this like badass exterminator he's the only one that like can do anything about it but really he's just kind of an eccentric weirdo that just is really into his job and honestly Seems like he does a pretty good job of it. I really do like the portrayal of this character in this movie. The only thing that I have that's negative about it is that he's really not in it a whole lot more than I... I don't know why I had this imagination that he was just a big part of the movie. But honestly, he's just in it for a couple of scenes. He's kind of witty, kind of goofy. Goodman does a good job in the role, but honestly, he's not given a whole lot. And there are some really funny things that happen later in the movie with the character that really gives you a little more insight and also gives me this lovable charm that I really enjoyed about the character. So from here, we see that Ross has met up with the coach, that one guy that had the daughter, uh, the one that <laughs> loved going to the gym, whose daughter is, the other daughter's Bunny, and then who has that, uh, you know, star football quarterback of a son, at least that's what he believes that he is. And he tells the doctor that, hey, I've got a job for you if you could come by the school. And he's like, oh, great, that would be awesome, you know, I'll totally go over there. And that's after, you know, he's kind of beating himself up because Margaret died and he feels like he's getting blamed for the whole thing when he really had nothing to do about it, but he is having second thoughts about it. So this is a really good opportunity for him to get some more, now, patience since he doesn't have any fucking patience after Margaret has passed away. But when he goes over to the school, all he really wants him to do, well, he wants him to go over the school, like the kids' records and everything, but what he really wants him to do is to give each of the boys a hernia check. So he basically fucking lines them all up and he's like, all right, drop your draws. And then he goes by and he's like, get a cough for the doctor here. And he's going and grabbing everybody's balls. He's just a ball grabbing fool over here, just going one by one to each of the fucking kids cough 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 and the kids are just like and it's a very fucking awkward scene and it's honestly pretty fucked up because he should have at least told him right away what he was trying to do like you know i need you to go over i need you to see these kids and i need you to do checkups on them like full physicals or whatever but the first thing that he does is like all right he's gonna get in there and he's gonna touch that sack and he's gonna make sure that you cough so you know exactly you know if you have anything wrong with you which again is fine if you give the guy a fucking warning so 
after he's checked all of the kids' ball sacks, and he's over there, he's sitting on the bleachers, and then you see the spider has, like, one of the spiders has now shown up at the school. So it's walking around, it actually walks behind Dr. Ross uh, while he's sitting on the bleachers, and I think that he was going to go after one of the girls there, but it actually goes past the girl, and it ends up going in the helmet of one of the receivers, one of the star receivers for the team. And you see the coach out in the field, and he's upset because the guy came in to catch, and he's like, you know, hey, you get out here and show them how it's done. And really, I thought it was going to be his son was going to be the one that was going to get it, and not this other guy. Well, the guy does it. He puts the helmet on. Of course, the spider goes into the helmet. And then he's out there going out for a pass, and then all of a sudden he gets bit behind the ear, and he drops over dead. And again, you know, Dr. Ross here is blamed for the death of this kid, because he was the one that examined him when he was out on the field. And of course, it's Dr. Metcalf that's the one that does this to him. He basically tells somebody else, oh yes, I see that Dr. Ross was the one that saw him after this. And of course, this type of reasoning causes some commotion among the people, but not just the people, it also happens with the kids. Because the kids now are all of a sudden, you know, they're getting made fun of because their dad is being called Dr. Death. So there's a little bit in this next little clip, there's a little bit of that, but the main part of this clip is actually where Dr. Metcalf, he himself finally bites it. Uh, and is eventually bitten by one of the ravenous spiders that are going around to all the little places in the area. And so you get the little bit in the beginning and then you get the whole clip with Dr. Metcalf getting uh, his comeuppance. Hey. Why so gloomy? Bunny Beachwood says that everybody's calling you Dr. Death. Well, that's just silly, Shelley. And they say you want to cut people up into little pieces. Oh, Tommy. Look, it's called an autopsy. It's not a very pleasant thing. But sometimes it's the only way to find out what really happened to a person. But there are some doctors who should know better who just won't accept that. But some doctors who should know better just won't accept that their big city methods don't sit well in a small town. Both Margaret and that poor boy did seem to be quite healthy. Bit odd, don't you think, Sam? If I autopsied everyone who ever died of a heart attack, I'd be run out of Canima so fast. Poor Sam, you still think life is a popularity contest. You're not jealous of our new young doctor, are you? What? Now you made me lose my timing. You're yelling, Sam. Come on to bed. Come on. I need a shower. I'd love to start taking walks around the neighborhood with you. It's not the same thing, Evelyn. I need to know exactly how far I've gone and exactly how long it took me. The floor is cold, Sam. You're right. You're always right. Damn! What's wrong? Some damn thing bit me. Because it's just a spider. Spider? Sounds like a damn cougar. Damn! Damn! I'm having a seizure. Sir, what should I do? I have it. Organics. So 
it sucks because he finally figures out way too late and in the wrong situation that maybe Dr. Jennings actually had a fucking point in that he really was right about what was going on with all of the deaths that are suddenly going around the town. Not necessarily that he knew that it was going to be a spider that was the one that was causing everything, but the fact of the matter is he knew that it wasn't the fucking, you know, uh, cardiac arrest and whatever happened with the kid, whatever he believed what it was. And of course, now he's in this situation, he's like, fuck, I need Dr. Jennings. And so he has Dr. Jennings come over, you know, and honestly, he's a little too late. And I really like the way that scene is set up as well, because again, there's the tension with the spider, and the spider's kind of like roaming through the room. You know that it's deadly. You've seen what it's done. And it's walking around, and then it almost gets him, but it gets onto the treadmill, and it flies off. And then it just crawls into his shoe. And then you're like, oh crap, of course, that's where it's going to get him. It's going to bite him under his fucking foot when he puts his foot in there. And then he takes off his socks and everything, and he starts to walk away. And he's just going to walk away, and you're like, oh shoo everything's gonna be okay and then she has to go his wife who you know what maybe because of all the shit that he's doing and everything how he's behaving maybe she knew the spider was in the shoe and was like but she doesn't know venom it's just like oh yeah that's gonna teach him a lesson he's gonna have to deal with the doctor ha 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 now don't forget it's cold downstairs and you've got to wear your shoes like (laughs) it's probably not that But I'd like to believe that it was because, you know, it would make the scene even better. But the fact that he does go back to the bed and put on the shoes and that's when he gets bit is quite entertaining. Like, I like the whole setup of the scene. I like how you feel as you're watching the whole thing. Because, again, it is a creepy crawly and maybe not everybody is so, like, scared of the creepy crawly things. But just the way, because you know what the spider is and what the spider is going to do if it bites anybody that there is that sense of tension every time you watch one of these spiders just like crawl along the scene so um and and i think that some of these spiders they have to be animatronic and some of them have to be real because in certain situations i can see where you can it could be an animatronic one in other situations like it has to be real and they're not actually injuring the poor thing even though i know there's some people would be like good i hope they injured the goddamn spiders but you know they're doing everything in a way where they have you know the easy mechanical ones so that it can do these like these certain situations and these certain setups that a real spider may or may not be able to do and then there's other ones where especially when like the last like sequence of events that's just that they have to be real spiders because what's going on is absolutely amazing and creepy as fuck so now that uh you know the the old doctor he has passed away Uh, the coroner rolls up onto the house and surprises Lloyd because he doesn't believe that he should be there. Hey, what's the coroner doing here? Mill, this isn't necessary. How will you judge you that, Lloyd? Wait out here? Well, guard the house or something? Guard the house? Was he alive when you got here? He'd been dead maybe five minutes. Whatever it was, it was abrupt and acute. What's your guess? Massive coronary or uh, cerebral hemorrhage? His wife says he was bitten by a spider just before he seized. All right. Sam told me about you. You're the hotshot who won't accept anyone else's diagnosis. 
I'll accept it if I agree with it. Good. Let me show you something. Down here. I believe that's a spider bite. I'll buy that. But I rather doubt that's what killed him. In 20 years, I've seen only one spider bite fatality. And that involved a black widow and a one-year-old child. Nope. My guess is that Sam overexerted himself. His wife said he was using the treadmill just before he killed over. Yeah, well, you may be right. I want a full autopsy. Tissue samples, blood toxicology, the whole nine yards. No, wait just one sec. Shut up, Lloyd. You'll get Evelyn's permission, of course. Of course. You need a ride home? Ah, uh, no, I'm all right, thanks. You know, you better take care of yourself now. You're the town doctor. Now that Dr. Metcalf has passed away from the spider bite, uh, Dr. Ross is the only game in town, so he's completely filled up with patients. His wife seems like it's happy and almost like this whole thing was fucking planned. When in all honesty, of course it wasn't planned. You know, the spider's the one that's going out and killing everybody, but I can imagine if everybody's like, oh, you're happy that he's dead, you know, but luckily nobody's really like that. He's just seeing everybody, even though the kid that he sees is probably a little, like, aware because of the rumor that he's Dr. Death and you don't want to necessarily be seen by Dr. Death. It's kind of an interesting situation because the coroner, especially when he's talking to Dr. Ross here, he's really, like, okay with everything that's going on like maybe he's not a part of the inside part of the town he's like a county coroner so that way he's not necessarily he's used to dealing with you know uh random people and especially with somebody like dr ross who's basically like look you know i'll agree with somebody if it falls in line with what i agree with but you know it's like that situation where like you know arguments are healthy to figure out what the actual problem is because if everybody has their like points of view then you know there's probably some truth between each side or so it's just another way of looking at everything that's going on so he lets him go ahead and do what does what he wants to do which originally was do the autopsy on margaret but this time we're doing it on dr metcalf instead and he is gonna get the you know approval of the wife to be able to do that so while he's basically seeing other patients and his wife's now hanging everything on the walls all the pictures of the town that she's taken so far including the spider web that was taken in in their barn he gets a call from the coroner who confirms that there's something really odd about the way that Dr. Metcalf uh, died. Okay, Hacha, are you sitting down? According to preliminary data, Sam Metcalf died as the result of a minute amount of an as yet unidentified toxic substance in his bloodstream. My office isn't ruling out accidental poisoning, deliberate poisoning, or even killer spiders. At the moment, it looks like a heart attack to me. But, um... I'll support whatever you'd like to do. I gotta have those bodies exhumed, Milt. I just, I, I gotta be sure. Okay. Uh, whatever you think is necessary. Thanks. Are you out of your mind? Slowly and once more, Lloyd, I want Margaret Hollins and Todd Miller's bodies exhumed. Dug up. Hey. 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 You start pulling citizens out of the ground that should be enjoying their eternal rest in that room full of patients you lucked into. You Lloyd, I'll just get a court order. Milt Briggs is on my side. This is a very bad business. Mr. Yale graduate, big city doctor. A very bad business. No shit. 
Okay, so what I don't get about this situation, the thing I don't really like about Lloyd, other than he's a fucking bitch and he's smirking as hell, is the fact that he's here in this situation, there's some weird deaths that are going on, he's got proof that there's a weird toxicology report that says that they died from other reasons, and when he says, yeah, I need to resume the bodies, because you need to see if they died in the same way, or if they were bitten by the same fucking spider, he's like, well, that's not good for business, you don't go digging up people in this little town, no, look, there is something going wrong here, and he understands, it's not good to dig up people after they died, but if you let him do the fucking autopsy like he wanted you to before you know what we may have been actually be able to stop some of this shit or had a better understanding and seen the pattern a lot faster and maybe dr metcalf would actually still be fucking alive you stupid fucking prick why does he have to be like such an asshole in this situation there's no reason for it he just doesn't like the fact that he's some big shot city doctor that's come to this small rural town and he's got his knowledge and his big city ways and we're tiny and we're we don't need that out here fuck you like just deal with it you're gonna have a new doctor somehow later that's gonna bring in new ways of doing stuff you can't just stay with the old methods because they don't always work and the guy is trying to help you he's not trying to hurt you guys you're just afraid of fucking change so stop with that fucking smirk on your face and go dig up them fucking bodies asshole so from there we go and we see dr ross has now gone back home and his daughter is going to go have a sleepover at Bunny's. And this sets up probably my favorite like series of events in the movie. Because it's so creepy. The way that they play with the kids. The way that the spider goes out. The way that everything is just shot. Is so well done. That even nowadays... Like, it still makes me all creepy crawly even if I think about it. See, one of the spiders has gotten in the house and you the only thing that you can think about is, oh shit, are they going to like kill one of the kids? But then you have to remember that this movie is PG-13 and funded by Disney, so no kids will probably die in this film unless they're a jock football star that's closer to 18 rather than like maybe 10. So the setup for the scene is pretty good. You have the two girls, and they're basically... Bunny's starting first, and she's doing part of the nursery rhyme of the Itsy Bitsy Spider. And we see the spider, like, crawl around the room and set itself up to drop down. And she's doing... But she's emphasizing the word spider at every time. Because before they left just for the sleepover, they said, Hey, there's some things with spider bites, and just be careful if you see a spider around. And of course the kids are like, oh yeah, whatever. And then they're using the spider thing to scare. So they're, it's like, itsy bitsy spider. And, you know, it, it's just really weird. But I think it's very effective in the scene as well. Um, and you see the spider, because the spider is there. And that's why it's effective. Because honestly, the girl is getting scared with the whole spider thing. But it's like that playful being scared. Like, we're, oh my god, oh, this is so funny, like, scared. Um, and, but at the same time, there is a real danger that's going on. And they knock this doll over. And the doll is creepy as fuck. I mean, Annabelle has nothing on this fucking doll. And it's just like, it slowly opens its eyes up as you look up and you see the spider coming down from the ceiling. And it's almost like the doll is looking at the spider in terror because he knows or it knows that it's coming down but of course this is not a you know animate object it's just a fucking toy that's on the ground yet you have this sense of fear and you can get that feeling from the doll it's so well shot that 
I honestly was like kind of like cringing back, hoping that the girls weren't going to get it. And like I said, even though I truly believe that they wouldn't at the same time, but it's with the music, with the way the kids are acting, with the way that the shot is set up, and it ends kind of anticlimactic, but kind of funny at the same time, because the sister comes in and says, hey, you guys need to stop it. And like, we're just trying to scare each other. And then she coerces them to go out downstairs and watch TV or something like that, but get out of the room and stop doing what they're doing like a good babysitter should, and... When Bunny is like, okay, she takes the book of, like, nursery rhymes that they're reading, and she throws it, and it happens to land on the spider before the spider can take any of them out. So, inadvertently, they stop the whole spider from actually doing any type of damage to either one of the girls. And, like I said, that scene alone is, if you haven't seen the movie, um, you should at least go back and watch that scene, because I think it's really well shot, and I think that the, the sense of fear and dread, and the thrills that you're getting for the spider setting up to come out, and again, this is just fucking spiders. This isn't like mutant spiders, this isn't like huge spiders, it's not campy spiders, they're just like regular spiders. I mean, yes, this Amazonian spider mated with a common, you know, domestic spider and made these spawns that have the venom of the, the father spider, but at the same time, it's not like they're like these hum like humongous, enormous fucking random things like I'm thinking about in the beginning, which I really thought were actually in the film, turns out, no, even though some of the close-ups, you might think it's a lot bigger than it actually is. From here, we go back over to Dr. Ross, and he's talking to his wife, and of course, he has another glass of wine with him because he's a fucking lush. Like, every time something bad happens, or he needs to deal with something, he uses wine to solve all his fucking problems, when he really should be just using beer to solve all of life's little problems. And he's sitting there in the living room, and then he thinks he hears something, uh, and he thinks it's a spider, but it turns out to actually be a cricket, and he's like, huh, I wonder where all your little friends are. And then we get an outside view, and we see that the spiders are now crawling into the wine cellar. We actually see the general and the queen are now downstairs, and it looks like instead of making the barn their nest, they're now going to be making the underside of the house their home. From there, we cut over into morning, and we see that the doctor is busy trying to call on, well, who else, but Warlock, I mean, Dr. Atherton, so that way that he can maybe find out if there is a big problem with spiders around here or identify exactly what's going on. Atherton? Yes, Dr. Atherton? I'm Ross Jennings. I'm a, I'm a general practitioner, and I, <clears throat> I have got a problem that uh, it may be spider-related, and you seem to be the foremost authority on the West Coast, or, well, <laughs> any coast. Dr. Jennings, let me tell you that every so often in a little town somewhere, there is a health scare, some unexplained outbreak, and spiders make convenient culprits. Did you know, Doctor, that on every suburban acre, there are at least 50 to 60,000 spiders? And that each spider eats about 100 insects per year. That means at least 5 million insects are consumed per acre annually. Well, think about it, Doctor. Perhaps man might find the planet uninhabitable without spiders. Dr. Atherton, I have nothing against spiders. It's just, we have had three deaths in my town, and I'm just, I'm afraid there's going to be some more. Now, if you could just, if you could lend me your expertise for just an afternoon, we're really not all that far from... It's a town called Kanaima. 
Kanaima. Yeah, you, you know it? It's familiar. Let me see what I can do. Where are you exactly? So there's a couple of things that are going on in this scene. One of them is the fact that, you know, Ross over here, he's brewing coffee without a fucking coffee lid on his coffee pot. And who the fuck does that? I mean, I understand if you have a one cup, like, coffee maker, and you're just brewing it directly into a cup or a curd type of thing, but those didn't exist back in 1990. But honestly, you're going to brew your coffee without having it filtered through that little thing, the, the coffee lid. And then when you're going to pour it, it's going to pour all over the fucking place. You're going to have coffee on the counters, coffee on your hands, coffee on your pants. Fucking put a lid on that shit. The other thing is that while Dr. Atherton is talking to Ross, it's showing like his like spider atrium that he's got. And you see the spider that looks exactly the same as the spider that was captured. Uh, back in Venezuela, as well as what's on the hunt down there, and it's attacking in the same type of for like wave of him. He puts like a cricket or something inside, it and he like oh, he hits the little thing. Time to eat, and then you see the spider, and that's where you get that dramatic music during the scene. Um, it's very, you know, it's kind of telling, and it's definitely going to get you to start piecing everything together. But you know, Atherton is not going to send the A team, so he sends the B team instead. He sends his assistant, who he calls into this office, who is too busy to answer his calls because he was trying to win his fucking foosball game. And I get it, sometimes foosball is life, especially when you're beating down somebody. And you want to make sure that you got the final point in the match, and you know, your boss is telling you to move on, but fuck you, I gotta finish this game of foosball. So he goes into his office, and of course, he's the one that's gonna be sent out to Kinema to handle the whole situation. He does arrive there, and right away, he like... Dr. Ross wants, one, he mistakes him for Dr. Atherton, and then two, he wants him to go into the morgue right away because they're trying to confirm that the bites they actually got were spider bites, to which, again, you know, when there's somebody that's never been in that situation before, of course, he doesn't necessarily want to be in the morgue, and we do get the morgue operator once again eating food while there's dead bodies all around the table. Dr. Atherton? Uh, no, I'm Chris Collins, one of his assistants. Hi, I'm Chris. Atherton's really busy lately. He's uh, recently discovered a new species of spider down in South America. Uh, to us, it's a big deal. Well, I hope you're going to be able to help us. We're going to be examining some bodies. Oh, hey, sounds like a blast. We're looking for bites. Like this. That's a spider, isn't it? Uh, I'm not sure. I think so. But anyway, even at several times the potency of Latrodectus. Latro, uh, uh, Black Widow, right? Right. Even then it would take more than one bite to kill, so you gotta figure that this guy's death and the spider bite, if it is a spider bite, are, uh, coincidental. Hey guys, how's it going? Poor Margaret. She was a good wife, good teacher, good neighbor. Excellent cook. Anything you want, just shout. I want some fresh air. Chris. Chris, come here. You still think it's a coincidence? That's a spider bite. The tissue surrounding the bite is macerated. Found one. There's a mark right here behind the left ear. Uh, 
Atherton. Dr. Atherton, Chris Collins. I think we've got a big problem here in Kanaima. They've got three dead bodies, and the cause of death seems to be a spider more deadly than any I've ever seen. They want the okay to quarantine the town. Are you sure? This is way out of my league. It's a decision you're going to have to make, so I think that you better come up here right away. Well, I can be there tomorrow afternoon. But Collins, try and find me a specimen. So Atherton wants his specimen to, so that way that he can have a better understanding of what's going on with the spider. It totally makes sense. He, it's just like before. He wants something live. So that way, like things like the toxins and stuff, they're not drained from the body. And he can figure out what's actually going on with this spider. There's a quick scene at that evening where, you know, Dr. Ross wakes up in the middle of the night. He thinks he sees a spider on the wall. Somehow the spider is like fucking stalking him or some shit. And it turns out that it's just a hook on the wall after he tries to hit it with the newspaper. We then cut over to the coach's house. And there's an interesting like series of events that's going on. And I wish one of them would have actually happened. But something else happens. And then it's kind of like, oh, okay. And it's weird because there's one of the ratings for the film where it talks about nudity. And it says moderate. And I'm like, what's the moderate nudity in this movie? I haven't seen anything. And it happens to be the shower scene. Now, what the hell is going on here? Like... The daughter, she wants to go take a shower. The one that says, oh, I'm going to major in gym in college. And so she'll, like, the the dad, he's like, no, you're going to take too long. It's like, no, go downstairs. And there's actually two spiders in the house at this point. One is happening to go downstairs and is going into the toilet. Meanwhile, the other spider is a spider perv and is just hanging out on top of the shower curtain the entire time that the fucking daughter fucking is taking a shower and it makes me think of another little ditty spider perv spider perv when did it become a perv watch you wash in the nude trying to take pics of your boobs watch out here comes the spider perv Man, whoever is making those songs is making them fucking great. But anyway, so yeah, he's basically like hanging out on the shower curtain, just fucking washing her. Like she's just there, she's lathering up, she's turning around. Like he's at one point, he's on the uh, the you know the shower head that's there, and she goes to grab, and it doesn't quite get her, and eventually it does jump on her and like jumps on her neck, and then because the water, it can't quite get like a grasp of her. And then, like, slides down in between her boobs and then into the, the water below. Meanwhile, she's screaming the entire time. So there's your, like, moderate nudity, which is no nudity whatsoever. We get to see the outlines of underboob, and then we get to see the belly button. That's really about it. Like, what were you expecting? To see, like, some muff or something? Like... Does people really think that, like, that's that bad? That's not bad at all. And in fact, it's even kind of just done for comedic effect. Also to be relatively creepy because the spider that could possibly kill her is just slowly sliding down her naked body. And, you know, of course, the dad freaks out as well. But I thought the dad was going to get bit in the ass because he sits down on the toilet seat after the spider's already gone over under the toilet, like into the toilet. But maybe he dropped a deuce that was way too fucking toxic and actually... Should use his own toxic 
like toxicity to kill the spider and then it flushed him down the toilet so you're strike one you're at one spider due to a massive like nuclear dump or something like that meanwhile the other one she gets it gets flushed down the drain because the water catches it it doesn't hold on to her and that seems to be the end of the scenes that's going on here we cut back over to the doctor's house, the Dr. Metcalf, and they're inspecting the house to see if they can find any spiders in the place. Or actually, it might have been Margaret's house. I'm not sure exactly which one of the houses it was, but they're trying to find a live spider in the house if they can. They're searching everywhere. They're searching the living room. It's actually relatively funny because Ross comes in and he's like, Chris, you go here. You know, Milton, you go over here. Lloyd, you go in the kitchen. And I'm just gonna stand here and wait for you guys because he's so deathly afraid of spiders and everything that's going on so we see chris kind of looking around everywhere we see milton looking in like the living room area and then we fall lloyd into the kitchen and this is where i thought lloyd was going to get it spoiler alert he doesn't actually get it it kind of sucks i think he's one of the one more than dr metcalf this guy was a prick and he's one of the ones that deserved to fucking die you know just like that fucking cat thief in the beginning of the fucking movie lloyd should have gone along with him right those two people they should have been eaten by spiders a long time fucking ago, if you get what I'm saying. So he's busy looking at all the different cups, and there's absolutely no spiders in any of the cups that are there. And then eventually he gets hungry, so he's going to start grabbing some cereal just off the shelf. Like, dude, the person's dead. Do you really need to eat their fucking food? This is why the spider needs to fucking get him. And when he goes to grab in a giant handful of food, what happens to be in there? Well, it happens to be a spider, but it turns out that it's actually dead. And, of course, Chris, he needs a, a live spider to do the research on. So, you know, Ross wants to get out of there, and he tells him, why can't we just use the dead? And he's like, no, we need a live specimen, and that's when another confrontation happens. Why don't we just take the dead spider and get out of here? Oh, no, Ross, you don't get off that easy. Dead spider's already desiccated, wouldn't be any use to You us. mean macerated? No, I mean desiccated. Dried up, drained right. of all its blood. Right. Macerated is the... Uh chewing that they do chewing right they're like little vampires this trip to atherton to find the spider species where'd he go south america venezuela why <laughs> is that one of them i'd say it's a damn fine suspect Ross, you're gonna have to take a step towards him. Chris, I'm scared to death. And yeah, we all are. But our brains secrete a neurotransmitter and enables us to deal with him. Come on. I don't think I have that particular neurotransmitter. Yes, you do. So he's able to overcome his fear a little bit and he's able to actually capture that spider. Well, Chris was able to capture the spider by just having him step forward just a little bit to get in the way of that 
you know, not necessarily get in the way, but to get its attention. And it's actually, I think it's really funny because the spider is like doing a dance at the same time. He moves to the left, the spider moves to the left. He moves to the right, the spider moves to the right. Then he slides and the spider slides. And then he tootsie roll, tootsie roll. Oh, no, wait, he doesn't do that. That's just in my imagination. But anyway... He ends up, you know, when Ross moves a little bit forward, that's when they're able to put the lid down on him and actually capture the spider so they can get a better understanding of what it is. Meanwhile, back over the coach's house, he's called in the one and only Delbert to go ahead and look and see what possibly could be going on and if the spider is still in the house. Henry, he didn't asbestos glove. Doomsday weapon in Delbert's wore on a creepy crawler. I caught it with... Demon EC, insecticide with environmental conscience. It's it's biodegradable, organic, and you gotta see the little beasties twitch when they get so much of the whip of this stuff. There's a rumor going around that some kind of spider might have killed Sam Metcalf, maybe Margaret, maybe even my Bronco. Doubtful, Henry. There was a case in Florida where one of my colleagues bumped into a nest of black widows, sustained over a dozen bites and lived. Of course, he permanently lost control of all of his bodily functions. There's no spider here. But I will hunt down the alleged arachnid and spread some to kingdom come. So, of course, while he's checking behind the toilet, the spider is actually back there, but he misses actually touching him and feeling him. And maybe whatever he has on his gloves is actually acting as a little bit of a repellent against that spider. We also see him, like, go through everything, and then when he steps outside, he actually sees one of the spiders there, and he takes out his little insecticide gun, and he squirts it with some insecticide. Now, this is where I'm not sure if this is a real spider or a fake spider. In either way, I think if it was a real spider, they're just squirting it with what I think was just going to be water anyway. It's not like they're really trying to kill the spider or anything. But it is totally resistant to the first squirt and it still starts to walk away. So then he takes another shot at it and the spider continues to walk away to when he finally walks over to the spider and puts his giant boot on top of it, thus killing the spider. So, you know, everything leading up to him actually killing the spider was probably the real thing. And then when he actually did squish it, it was just a prop, especially with the amount of like guts and blood and everything that came off the spider. So he's able to actually exterminate the one that's there. Meanwhile, we go back over to, you know, Dr. Ross's office and not the morgue because they're just basically like, and they're still trying to figure out what's going on after they've captured the spider. And of course, that's when Dr. Atherton shows up. Did you find me another specimen, Doctor? Yes, I did. I also paid a call to the town mortician. Several months ago, there was a corpse. The body was desiccated. It was totally drained of blood. Now, Irv agreed that if the spider was big enough and it spent a long enough time working on that body, I think I know why you've heard of Kanaima. This was Jerry Manley's hometown. Manley the photographer? Yeah. I think one of your Venezuelan spiders hitched a ride here in Manley's coffin. The fangs, the injectors, are disproportionately large. 
three poison sacks. Now, let's test the venom. The nature of the toxin and the amount injected are what determine the effect of the bite. And, of course, the place where the subject is bitten. They can lead to paralysis or death. Look, I'm no expert, but I'd guess this toxin is fatal at a fraction of that dose. I'd agree. No sex organs. That would make them drones. Or soldiers. You see, that's typically seen in highly organized insect societies, bees, ants, but I've, well, we've never seen it in spiders. I have. Venezuela, right? Right. This is a descendant. Somehow that South American male has mated with a domestic house spider and created a very deadly strain. But if it has no sex organs, it can't reproduce, right? True. And the accelerated growth rate, combined with the specialization, suggests a short life cycle. We've already seen a dead one. Well, that could be the good news. Now let's discuss the bad. In their own ecosystem, the species I discovered in South America live at the top of the food chain. They spread out from a central nest in a web-like pattern and dominate the entire area. But in their original habitat, they are contained by geography. That isn't true here. So the original male's the granddaddy of them all. And he's acting like a general sending his troops out to battle. Right. Uh, excuse me, Professor? This is our town exterminator. Dover McClintock, infestation management. Always nice to meet a colleague. Now, he believes he came across one of the offending spiders a couple hours ago. Might you have brought it with you? Actually, it's probably still in the bottom of my shoe. You know, you really can't tell what it is anymore. In this first generation, the original male also produced a queen, and together they will construct a primary nest, which the queen will guard. But eventually, she will create reproductive offspring of her own. And when that happens, this town is dead. And the next town, and the next town, and the next one, and so on. Irv owns the mortuary where the infestation must have originated. If we can just get in there and destroy the original male. And the primary nest. I'll call the Department of Agriculture. Yeah, okay. His phone's in the office. I'll see you later at the mortuary. Right. Sheriff, you'll give me a ride. I am not a chauffeur. Shut up, Lloyd. Damn, it's busy. Well, that's the wheel, Doc. Urban Blair always takes the phone off the hook during Wheel of Fortune. Let's get the hell over there. Let's go. So there's a lot to digest in this little bit of, like, scene that's going on here. First, we learn a little more about the spiders. They have a very short life expectancy because they are mixed. They're not a purebred, like, killer, venomous, unknown Venezuelan spider because the spider decided to get it on with a local spider. You know, he had the local sp spiders in his area. You know, his spider tinder was all working and everything like that. He found his mate, he mated with her, and they created these offspring. But the first ones that they created 
are just soldiers and drones. So they're just to go out and totally wipe out the area to make sure that there's nothing that can stop them from fucking breeding. The second step of that is that they're going to then make other spiders that actually can reproduce. And then that's going to become a big problem because then it's going to wipe out the whole area. Now, this is one of the scenes that I was saying earlier why I like Delbert's character so much. Because when he comes in and he's like, yeah, this is the local exterminator. And he's like, he's talking to an etymologist, right? The guy is at the head of his class. He's the number one in his field. You know, he's this great scientist, and he's just like, I love to meet other people in our field. Like, <laughs> what the hell? You're not the same, but he kind of considers himself to be like an expert on bugs, which he truly is, but he's just an expert on killing them, not necessarily the, like, physiology and anatomy of bugs or discovering all new types of species, unless he's discovering new ways to kill them. So they all believe that the mortuary or the morgue is actually the place that it is like ground zero. And that's actually where the nest is. But because when they all kind of split up together, we see that, you know, at one point, Dr. Atherton is looking on the wall of Ross's uh, office and he sees the big spider web and he looks to Lloyd and he's like, wait, where is that? And he says, oh, that's at, you know, Dr. Ross's place. And he's like, take me there. So he ends up going directly to Dr. Ross's place rather than going and meet everybody up in the mortuary because, you know, he's trying to make sure that somebody else comes out there to help them contain everything that's going on. Meanwhile, we have Delbert, we have Dr. Ross, and, you know, uh, what's his name over here, Chris. They're all going to the, you know, the mortuary owner's house. And we get to see their ultimate demise in the film. It's actually a relatively decent scene, but we do get something really creepy out of it that I fucking loved. And I loved seeing how they did it. And it's just quite amazing. And it does look a little fake at times, but I still really like the scene. So basically, the first part of the setup that you get is that the... You know, the mortuary guy and his wife are watching the Wheel of Fortune. And like he says, they keep the phone off the hook because the wheel is life. And I totally understand that. But maybe not so much nowadays. But back in the day, especially during this time in the 90s, yeah, the wheel was fucking life. Vanna White was fucking great. You know, not so much on Pat, but, you know, it's the way it is. You got to take one with the other. And so they're busy watching the wheel and they made popcorn. And the first thing he asks, he's all real butter or fake butter? She says fake butter. And if you're making it at home, shouldn't you just be using the real butter? Like, you don't need to use margarine. Margarine doesn't necessarily taste any better with popcorn. The real fucking shit tastes the best. Just use the real fucking butter. So, he brings the popcorn bucket over, but of course, a spider happens to go into the popcorn bucket. And then you see them, they're sitting there, they're eating the popcorn while they're watching the wheel. Then it cuts over to everybody inside of the car, and they're talking a little more about everything that's going on in terms of the nest. What's this nest? What's it going to look like? Uh, well, you'd know it if you found it. Um, the area would be dark, warm, moist be kind of a musty smell and you'd probably see an egg sac like your basic egg sac um white cocooned pulsating about the size of a softball okay uh, uh, of course there'd be no other spiders around what do you mean well spiders are cannibals so she wouldn't want any others near her offspring yes tell them exactly what i've told you even if it means interrupting a dinner party share it
Where is this? It's your Daniel's place. Jennings bought it. Take me there. So that's the point in the film where Dr. Atherton realizes and he sees the thing on the wall that the maybe the the nest is actually over at the Jennings place rather than being at the morgue and instead of like trying to get a hold of him and again this is the 90s so there really isn't any type of cell phone access anything like that in fact the whole town everything they're dialing on is a fucking rotary phone so it's really set back for the time in the in where the movie's taking place and it would be so much easier nowadays because you'd just be like hey we're gonna call real fast hey we're going here don't bother going over to those guys place but instead to create that sense of tension you know that dr atherton is going there and meanwhile the other guys they're going to the they're going to the right place which is the wrong place so ross delbert and chris they all go inside the house and they're calling for them and eventually they do see that they've been killed and that they've been bitten by the spider and then when dr ross goes and looks directly in the face of the the corner guy not the corner guy, but the mortuary guy then all of a sudden the spider comes out of his nose and i love that effect it's really cheesy because the face doesn't necessarily look like a face but seeing it come out of his body is fucking fantastic so, of course, they decide to, to take a quick, like, look around, and then Chris himself, he's like, he's trying to figure out exactly what's going on, because he realizes that, you know, based upon where everybody's been killed, that there is a central place, and that's specifically where the nest is, but what turns out is that that place, in the center of all the killings that have happened, is not the morgue. The killings have been so arbitrary, man. Maybe there's just a more than one nest. No, there's just that one. Hey, wait, what was it that Atherton said? They radiate it's out from a central nest. Delbert, yeah. you got a map of this town? Thinking about buying here? Yeah, come on, just get a map, please. Um, here, here. Mm -hmm. The Kendall's. Kendall's house. Yeah. Mark that down on there. All righty. And uh, the old guy, the doctor? Uh, Metcalf. Metcalf. Football kid? Uh, died on the football field behind the high school. That's uh, right here. Uh, this is fun. Uh, I found one at Beechwood. Um, the old lady, what was her name? The first Margaret. Lady? Yeah. Is that all of them? Yeah, that's it. Now, this here in the center, that's a mortuary, right? No, that's a house. Well, who the hell lives here? I do. From here, we cut over to Dr. Atherton, and he's walked inside of the barn, and he's examining all the webs and everything that's laid out there. And he's actually realizing that this possibly could be the nest, or the spider that he's looking for is actually in here. He goes around, he looks at all the different dead squirrels that have all been drained of their blood, and eventually he sees the giant web, and he flicks it just like he flicked for the cricket in the other place and you know to for the other spider to come and eat and he says dinner's ready and then all of a sudden the general jumps out at him in a terrible scene uh and he gets bit and that's the end of dr atherton so you know the warlock he got punked by a fucking spider i i don't think that that, that actually should happen but that's what happened in the scene so now that he's basically dead, when we have Ross and the other crew, they've realized that actually the nest is over at Ross's place. They hurry on and make sure that they get inside the, you know, the house and get everybody freed. Delbert, he goes into the barn and he basically is, you know trying to see what's going on and maybe exterminate and he's got his special stuff and this was always the scene that i remember when like he's like out there and he's got like you know his suit on and he's gonna get ready to go in like guns blazing 
And that's where I thought there was, like, the badass factor there is. But that's not really a whole lot. He, like, goes in there and he searches around. And he eventually runs into Atherton's dead body. And ends up dropping from the top of the barn. And is already wrapped inside of webbing. And basically being used to suck blood from already. Meanwhile, back inside the house, Dr. Ross and Chris, they step inside and they see the family sitting there watching TV and eating. And he tells them, look, we need to get out of here. You need to be very calm and come with me. And this is where it's like batshit insane and where Crystal would not be able to fucking watch the scene at all. Because all of a sudden, the spiders just come out of the, every fucking pore in the entire house. They're coming out of light switches. They're completely covering walls. They're coming from behind the TV. They're coming, like, they just, they're all, like, chasing them. And even Dr. Ross says, man, it's like they're they're chasing us and they're trying to attack us, you know, rather than just kind of being all over the place. Like, they're being possessive of the area. And eventually they get into the bathroom and then they're coming from under the door. They take a towel and they block it off while the spider's still coming. Then they start coming through the door hole. They start coming out of the sink. They start coming out of the bathtub and all in the commotion. Everybody is able to get out of the house and they're waiting for Dr. Ross to get out of there. But Chris, he's dumb and he's just using his weight instead of just getting down and letting Dr. Ross come out. He's trying to hold out his hand like, come on, just grab my hand and we can get out of here. And then that causes the screws in the the trellis that's out there to come loose and it just falls over and he just lands in the ground forcing Dr. Ross to find a new way out of there. He's still trying to get out of the window but then that's now blocked by a bunch of spiders and his arachnophobia is starting to take over. So he runs outside he trying to or outside the bathroom trying to get away from the spiders and eventually ends up falling over the guardrail and falls into the basement of his house where he realized oh my god i think i found the nest musty musty smell moist dark no spiders there's no spiders there's dark musty nest 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 the queen flashes oh shit i'm in the goddamn nest Help! Help! Prince! I found the nest! And there's stuff! The queen! Prince! So Dr. Ross grabs a shovel and it's time to throw down with both the queen and the general. And the first one to attack happens to be the queen. And she comes after him and when she jumps at him, he takes the shovel, he swings and he snaps her right into uh, a, like a basically almost like a fuse box, some electrical box and electrocutes her and down goes the queen. And so while he's in there, he sees that, okay, he finds the egg sack and he's like, I need to get rid of it. What's the way that we can burn the egg sack? And that is by taking his wine from his wine cellar and throwing it onto the egg sack and he's going to try to set it on fire. But unbeknownst to him, somebody else in the distance is watching him and it happens to be the general. Now the general's here to protect his babies because even though his queen is dead, these babies are probably the ones that are, you know, can become fertile and can spread out throughout the world. So it's kind of a weird cat and mouse game between the general and Dr. Ross here. And there's a couple of different scenes where Dr. Ross, like one, he gets like 
the wine racks tumble on top of him and he's basically pushing back the the general the general's trying to come after him and he starts throwing all his wine but he doesn't throw the 127 dollar bottle of wine that he talked about in the beginning of the film into where the the general actually gets away and the general is like a really excellent tactician because he's able to like bob and weave and hide in specific places and know exactly where to go and how to attack him but you know dr rossi's just trying to be smarter than him like he's getting fucking outsmarted by a fucking spider he deserves to be fucking afraid of them so he ends up throwing a bunch of bottles of wine on top of him he's gonna light it on fire but the spider manages to get away but he's still doused in the wine at this point and then he creates like a blow to like a almost like a flamethrower more like a blowtorch he takes like one of those little you know clicky like lighter type things that you use like candles and like barbecue things and everything like that and then he takes an aerosol can and he makes his little flamethrower out of that and he's he basically is trying to get him and try to set him on fire and he can't really get him until he figures out that he's gone into the water pipes and then that's when you get him singing the itsy bitsy spider like little thing and it's so ridiculous because he gets to like the corner of where the thing would come out and he's like come on 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 get out get out come on and he puts the thing down for a second and the moment that he puts down his makeshift blowtorch down that's when the spider jumps at him and it's it's literally the most ridiculous fucking struggle that you have ever seen like he's grabbing it and it's so fake and it's so fucking terrible but he's like he's fighting it back he's holding on to the general and he's like no you will not bite me you will not put me down the general's like i'm gonna get you and then like they're going back and forth and they're fighting and eventually he tosses him off and he manages to actually get his like flamethrower and set the goddamn thing on fire and it cowers into the corner and when he goes to get the 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 egg sack then the general attacks him once again and he loses his flamethrower and he's like oh shit what's going on and then you get a recreation of what happened to him when he was a little kid where the spider is just crawling up his leg and he feels super helpless and he can't you know he doesn't know what he's going to do because the fear is starting to overtake him and eventually it jumps at him and he has the nail gun from earlier in the film and he points fires hits the general right in the stomach and it flies right into the cocoon and he says therapy and that's like the most badass thing that i think dr ross has done in the entire movie and it's genuinely thrilling and exciting because you're sitting there you're like oh is he gonna get the is the spider gonna get him what exactly how is he gonna get out of this and i totally forgot about the nail gun because i wasn't truly paying attention to the surroundings inside the whole place and the fact that like he gets the perfect shot it goes right into the sack it burns the other spiders and then he's rescued by delbert and delbert before this he starts going up to the house and he's like all right time to rock and he's like firing at all the different spiders and he because he's saved you know the the wife's like you know he's she's got most of them the other ones are pretty much dying because now those ones can't specifically reproduce and because they're a hybrid they die really really fast so now they're all dying off and the day is perfectly fine so from here we cut over to a, a nice city shot of san francisco where we get the last joke of the film which pisses me fucking off and we get a song about spiders from Jimmy Buffett. 
most about the country. Why? I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. At least we got out with our lives. Uh, yes. And the Margot. <laughs> to office politics, to Christmas bonuses, caffeine, adrenaline. To things that we know, to events that we can control, to... Was a minor tremor. That Barely was, felt probably it. wouldn't even show up on that scale. That, that Richter scale. Right. Just a cable car going by. Cable car, yeah. We should check the kids. The Let's kids. San Francisco isn't all about fucking earthquakes and that shit. Don't scare people out here. You fucking, I can't believe like that was the last thing. I get it. They're like, we moved back, we can control everything over here, and then the fucking earthquake gets. I, I understand that, but come on, really? Like, maybe you could have just made it about like, you know, street crime or some shit like that. Or like pooping on the street. You know, oh, we can control all this stuff. Ah, oh, shit, I stepped in human excrement. Something more than just fucking earthquakes, because earthquakes happen one what? Like, the last one was 20 years ago around here. Knock on wood that, you know, it's not going to happen anytime soon. But, you know, it's not like we experience this every fucking day. But, that aside, that was Arachnophobia. And it's a very fun fucking film. I really like this movie. It's I feel sad that I haven't seen it in such a long time. Like, I really wish I had sat and watched it. And honestly, it was hard to take notes at time because I was so enthralled in what the movie was doing and where the movie was going that I was just like, oh, man, I got can't wait for the next scene. I can't wait for the spiders to show up. And a lot of times, like, these types of movies that, like, I hate is that you have, a, like, a pretty good beginning to the movie and then the middle where you have to learn about all the characters and all the other crap, it's shitty until, like... You get to the last act where all this shit happens. But this stuff happens all the goddamn time. It has such a great first 20 minutes. It's 20 minutes before we meet Dr. Ross and his family. And the movie's only an hour and 46 minutes long. Something like that. So it moves along at a really good pace. You don't notice what's going on with the movie. You don't notice the length of the movie. You just want to see what happens next. Each of the spider scenes are so set up very well. 
Um, there's only maybe one or two that are just kind of like, uh, I don't like it so much. Like the one with, uh, the Wheel of Fortune one. I knew what was going to happen. Nothing really freaked you out. And you didn't actually see the spider's bite. You saw the spider bite in almost all of the other ones, except for that one specific. And even the one where it was in the helmet, leading up to the helmet point was perfectly fine. It was like, just when he put it on, it was like, oh, he got bit and he got hit in the chest with a fucking football and that was it. So it's not necessarily my favorite, like, death in the movie, but I think everything else sets up so well. Even when Molly goes into the barn for the first time, it's creepy, and you don't know if something's going to actually happen to her, but you have to gander that, you know, the main family is not going to eat it in this film. So, if I have to give this film a rating, what do I give this film? Um basically the gore it's a one out of five it's not really gory it's got a couple of little scenes the guy inside the coffin looks the makeup looks pretty good but it's not like gory like people don't get decapitated unless you want to talk about the spiders that get squished and you only see one that is like super squished and where the like the guts come off the bottom of john goodman's shoe that's really it other than that, I don't really see a lot of gore in this film in general. Um, the crap factor in this film, I'd give it a 2 out of 5. I think that some of the performances are kind of not necessarily needed, but it's not that bad. Some of the, uh, like, spider, like that whole sequence where he's trying to fight off the general that jumps on him, that's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. And there's a couple other little things. Julian Sands, uh, your acting's about on par, and that's what I expect, but you're not the best in the world. Uh, and then the fact that this random guy, Chris, and also that you kill off Julian Sands, too. I, I just don't get it. Um, and then the lack of use of Delbert. I Like I said, I really thought that he was in it more, and I wish that he was because I really, really love that character, and I wish we got to see more of him. So... Uh, the fun factor, though, this is a 5 out of 5. I mean, if you can stomach the spiders. If you can't stomach the spiders, it may not be as fun as it was for me. But, like I said, the characters, the setting, the pace of the movie, the tension of the spiders. Even when you know what's going to happen, you still have this feeling of fear and dread every time it's trying to go out and get something. And the fact that you get like this creepy crawly feeling from all the spiders is fantastic as well. And it's not like some giant like killer spider, you know, thing at the end. It's just it's a bigger spider and it's trying to survive. Like it's just creating its own nest and it's trying to create its own colony. And the only way to deal with it is to get rid of the people around it. So, you know, it's a fight for survival is all it really is, which makes it a very believable and exciting movie to watch. So what do I give it overall? I'm going to give this four out of five flying <laughs> flaming spiders. I think that, everybody this is a movie that if you're not too afraid of spiders i have to constantly say that but i think everybody should see this is part of the must-see collection for the terrible terror podcast if you have never seen it before if you haven't seen it in a while i should have warned at the beginning and i'm just honestly i'm not thinking as straight as i possibly could but i should have said in the beginning that hey you should see this before you listen to this podcast because there's a lot of stuff that you can't get out of this that you get from the film like the film in general 
So I would totally just, if you can find it, if you have HBO, it is on HBO Go right now, just go out and watch it and go enjoy it. It's a fun time. You're going to like the way that everything's set. Unless you have a big aversion to spiders, you may not have as much fun as I did. But I really, really, it's not quite 5 out of 5 material. It is a 4 out of 5 all the way, though. So uh, with that being said, um, we have a couple other things coming up. And there's a little bit of a shuffle around of stuff because I didn't realize that things were so close to being uh to happening and um that being the universal monsters sequel-a-thon that is going on once again between uh, a bunch of the other podcasts and one of the ones i'm really excited and who's joined us this year has been cadavercast and uh actually like seeing everybody there uh, and, and hearing what they have to say they're doing um the one after me, which is Son of Frankenstein. So the first episode's already been released uh, by Dave's Pop Culture Podcast, She-Wolf of London. You can check out the Angry Dad and Dave and Jenna uh, as they all discuss uh, that. And then uh, The Invisible Woman is being done by the B-Movie Bros. And that'll be the next one that's going to be releasing this week, the same week that this podcast has been released. It'll come out. And then next episode for this podcast um, is going to be the creature walks among us so i'm going to do universal classic horror first and then we're going to dive into the next theme uh which will be uh some comedic horror movies um and it's going to be a lot of fun but uh after like i said after me son of frankenstein and then i believe it's going to be paranormal pat he's going to release the episode that's going to be released after the cadaver cast and then finally to wrap everything up it's going to be the back in time podcast and now i think Paranormal Pat, he's doing another Mummy movie, and I'm not sure what the Back in Time podcast guys are doing, and I'm sorry, it's just not in my notes here, um, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be fun. I really enjoy when they do these episodes, uh, So, and I believe it's going to be another Dracula film. Um, that's where I believe that it's going, because they've done Dracula's Daughter and they did Dracula, so they should do another Dracula film. So I'm looking very much forward to hearing everybody. Um, I have got to start right now because, you know, Dave, he's quick on his podcast episode being released. So um, I got to make sure that I listen to the She-Wolf of London. But let's take a listen to the Creature Walks Among Us trailer. It's all new. The Creature Walks Among Us. More terrifying in human form. Striking at the heart of the city with inhuman fury. <coughs> the creature walks among us. Horror unleashed by the daring of man and a dangerous experiment of science. I have burned away the outer scale. There's a structure of human skin underneath it. The creature walks among us. The grimmest cargo ever brought to civilization. Now a monster made even more frightful by human emotions. Plus Merle Oberon, Lex Barker in The Price of Fear. Two great thrill pictures on one program. Unfortunately, there'll be no double feature for this podcast. You won't be able to hear about The Price of Fear, but it might be something that you want to check out. Definitely, The Creature Walks Among Us. Now, it's very hard to find, like, ridiculously. It's not really streaming anywhere, 
But there is a really cool set that you can get um, that is... There's a bunch of them. There's the um, the Universal like Classic set that has all three creature movies on it. Um, there's also the Universal box set that has like every Universal horror movie in it um, that is worth a buy if you have a chance. Uh, but it's, it is really hard to find this one, and honestly, I, I think I know the reason why. Um, it's not necessarily my favorite, but uh, I feel like I gotta end the trilogy, and I'm gonna have a lot of fun doing the Creature Walks Among Us, so don't forget next time to join us for that episode. Uh, the podcast shout-out for this week is gonna be Dave's Pop Culture Podcast, because he's the one that spent the time to get everybody together to do this, and he's the one that's kicked it off this time. Um, he also has done an excellent episode on the Andromeda Strain. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one, and he remembered when he and I were talking about how that was my dad's favorite sci-fi movie, and listening to it brought back a lot of memories of when he showed it to me for the first time, and it was just a lot of fun listening to him and Evan uh, chat about the movie. It, it's a very good movie if you've never seen it before. Um, it doesn't necessarily even fit my type of like, I'm going to do sci-fi for this month. Like it really doesn't. Cause it's such a classic that I would be afraid to do half the crap that I do about it. Um, it would, even though it would be a fun time, but they do it more than justice. Um, and it's definitely worth a listen. Uh, if you guys haven't heard it already, if you're not listening to Dave's pop culture podcast, please make sure you go ahead and do it. And if you guys are podcasters as well. You can always contact me, and if you want a shout-out or you want anything like that, um, just let me know. I'd be more than happy to recommend you to, you know, uh, listeners and, and everybody else that's out there. But everybody that's doing the Universal Pod or the Universal Monster Podcast, you should listen to all of them. Because everybody, in their own way, they make really great episodes. You know, and some I know well, you know, or better than others. And some have been on this podcast before. Um, and some I should be inviting onto this podcast <laughs> to go ahead and do an episode with me. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's definitely fun to be a part of something like that. It does push my schedule back a little bit, but it was already going to be on the schedule anyway. I just made the mistake and thought that I was going to get to one of my other movies before I got to this. So, um, this is going to be a real fun time. I think it should be a real fun episode. Uh, and I look forward to hearing everybody else's stuff. So, with that being said, <laughs> as always, um, you can always find the podcast. It's available on all the podcast directories out there. It was just added to iHeartRadio. Rate and review, please. It really does help, especially on iTunes. Um, check out the Facebook page. Check out the Instagram page. Check out the YouTube channel where I'm late in getting our crawl review up. Uh, I hope to get it, that up this weekend. Um, and as always, I appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next time with The Creature Walks Among Us. See you later.